Hey, yes. you haven't been on this podcast for quite some time, and you had me waiting like an idiot for 45 minutes to an hour. Again. I w- I'm only one hour late, and you should know that I'm one hour late. So just work on something else. I thought after your heartfelt uh, live a couple of weeks ago, you would change your ways, but obviously nothing has changed, just like your hair color. It's, it's now it's looking great. like a it's platinum. Going, it's going gray for the 40 plus euros. Yeah, you aged fast. You aged fast. You aged fast. We're going to talk about the 40 plus euros and more, but uh, we got a podcast to talk about. It's a euros recap. With that said, let's drop that intro. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Letty the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our thing. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 254. That's right, 254 of the No Name RC podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Left to the Great. And joining me later on was the village idiot, the man himself, JQ, a.k.a. Beaker. He'll be joining me later on uh, to recap the Euros because this podcast is all about the Euros. We saw a great Euros this past uh, last week, I don't. I would say this weekend, but it ended on Friday uh, in Relevon. We saw a new champion crowned, Juan Carlos Canes, JCC. Congratulations to him. S-Works, Reds, and Hot Race on their victory. Also to Boots, who had a very good run as well. Great second for him. But we talk all about that and more on this podcast with JQ. Uh, but before I get into all of that, I have to say some thank yous and all of that good stuff because we really appreciate all you guys support out there who support the NNRC, uh, the NNRC squad around the world. We're coming up with five years of doing this and we cannot do it without you guys. So thank you for all the support uh, around the world from all the supporters wearing our shirts, rocking our stickers, all that type of stuff. Uh, I will have some stickers at the Peach State Classic. So come up and see me if you want some. We appreciate all of your support. Also, shout out to the NNRC patrons and YouTube members. You will get early release of this podcast this week because I'm kind of releasing it early. I have another podcast planned that's going to drop on Friday as well. So pay attention. Get ready. You know, it's it, and next week we're not going to have a podcast because I'll be on the road, but we'll have two this week. So uh, just stay, keep your eye out for that. Uh, thank you to all of the, you guys and the patrons and the YouTube members. We appreciate all your support. And uh, if you wish to support the podcast a little bit more, you can. Uh, there's links for the Patreon as well as YouTube membership in the written description below. 
Also, we can't do this without sponsors. We're coming up on the end of the year. So if you're a sponsor, you like what, if you're a company in RC, you like what we're doing here at the NNRC and you want to sponsor us, hit us up. Uh, we're looking to get some sponsors on for next year. If you want to be a part of this, this is the fastest growing independent media pro- platform in RC. So come check us out. It's a great place to advertise. But right now, I'd like to say thank you to Invisible Speed. Don't forget, they have their, uh, their, Buy, a, buy the online course by October 1st and you will get entered. Well, not entered. You will be then pre-ordered for the Invisible Speed Book 2.0. Uh, if you wish to support that, there's an affiliate link in this part in the written description that helps us out a lot. High Tech RC, thank you, High Tech, for all their support. Loving my new charger. I'll have um, this charger. I'll be getting a new one here shortly. Sunpadal USA, happy birthday to you, Hefty. Uh, Sidewinder Fuel, thanks, Cy- Sunpadal USA, bringing in all those awesome race batteries. Got one in my ETM Techno MT410. Sidewinder Fuel for all the support. Shout out to Little Bump. Man, killed it. Killed it up there at HRCR the other two weekends ago, man. He's incredible. Hot Race Tires, thank you to Nicola for all your support. And Robert Mayako, shout out to the Mayako movement. Beach RC, shout out to Beach RC. Uh, Thank you for everything. Techno RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Ignite Design RC. Thank you, Jimmy, for the kit. I'm building it. Just waiting for some the stand-up gearbox to build, finish building it. Stacked RC, Racecraft USA. Shout out to Donathan RC. Shout out Zach. Uh, to Zach. Got some cool leads coming. We have a 10% discount, discount code in there if you want to buy some leads from uh, Donathan RC. Check it out in our written description. The Florida RC Championships. Thank you to everybody that supported us on the latest waffle. We greatly appreciate that. WRCE. And shout out to my boy, SJ Racing, uh, Gene Strout. If you're looking to get any cars built, kits built, or just getting your car refurbished, refreshed, check out Gene Strout. Check out SJ Racing on Instagram and Facebook, I believe. Also, shout out to House of RC, uh, RCGP, and our drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Batty, Alexander Hagberg, and Sir Spleenless, himself maddie g uh so yeah no real news this week i know everybody's ramping up for the uh the world's coming up it's good to see we see the europeans starting to fly over all that type of stuff we're gonna have a little special look back at the 2013 world's podcast with jared tebow tomorrow nothing just a little short short podcast to talk about uh that win that was the last time we had a 10 scale worlds in america it was a great event uh, Tebow and Hartson won that. So I'm going to have him want to talk about that tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be trying to follow the podcast. Uh, follow, sorry, the podcast. I'll be trying to follow the world as best as possible. Uh, I will be kind of busy. I'll be in Las Vegas at the at the H2 Grand Prix, as you can see down there. Looking forward to that. You guys, I'm going to make some content about that. And I'll share links as well. I'll be sharing links for all of this stuff on the NNRC, the world, everything. Looking forward to Matt's uh, mods, coverage, everything. <clears throat> and then, of course, I head to the Georgia Peach State Classic the following weekend with Lance and Danny and Patrick. I'm looking forward to that. There'll be Tebow, uh, Tebow, Lutz, Wiggins, and Seth Mandela are attending that race. So I look forward to seeing everybody again there in Georgia, up there in Tiger, Georgia. So that should be awesome. So I've got a busy schedule ahead of me. Uh, looks like I'm doing the Florida Car- Florida RC Championships in August, as well as Masters of Dirt. So that's going to be cool. So I'm looking forward to getting back to the States and seeing some watching some racing and talking about it all with you guys. But the worlds, man, I was looking at some video of the track where they did it. I really like that uh, cool display of all the former worlds winners from the first uh, world championship. I thought that was cool too on the wall there. So well done to hobby action. Uh, they're really taking this serious. They're going to put on a great show. All right. So I do have some shout outs, some happy birthdays. 
to some people. It's a lot of birthdays. Shout out to David Crabtree. Been listening to the podcast for quite some time. He said, if I didn't give him a shout out, he wasn't going to listen no more. But happy birthday to you. You had a birthday earlier on this week. Baba High, my good buddy down in South Carolina. Martin Owen, Owen, the emperor of everything on his way to the world as well. Jimmy Babcock, race director extraordinaire, owner of Hot Rod Hobbies. Happy birthday to you. Josh Hollyfield, a stalwart of racing there in the Southeast. Rick Sheely, another good friend from the Southeast. Robert Parente, how you doing, man? Happy birthday to you. Dominic McKinney, what's up, man? How you doing? Will Walker, who you see, Will, in lots of races with Ryan Lutz. I'll probably see him at uh, Tiger Georgia here shortly. Uh, Kyle Chasen, I don't know if you, uh, I think he's, I think he is telling me he's getting going over to Japan. He's in the, in the armed forces so he's over there station. Steve Burgess, uh, Jensen Collins, Devin Anthony up there in Canada, the Pulsinator, Isaac Pulsinator. Happy birthday to you. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Bryson Dyer. Happy birthday to you, man. Hope you enjoyed it. The infamous Homer Elman of Tilt Yard fame. Happy birthday to you. Reverse JQ. I call him, uh, my good buddy, Tyler Zavado of RC drag talk. Dennis Wilson, one of, one of the best painters in the world. My good friend, Hefty Jesus, Jesus. And of course, my other good friend, Sebastian Beltran down there in Colombia. Happy birthday to you guys. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, coming up, I want to give a shout out to Chasing Trophies. He dropped his vlog from the RC program. It was great. I enjoyed it. Go over to that guy's uh, YouTube. Hit that sub notification like button. He's doing a good job. Go to like we gotta we gotta you know we gotta help all these YouTube YouTube contenters out uh, RC YouTubers out there making content. It is not easy. The best thing you can do for them is hit that like notification sub button. You can do that for her too because we're almost up to well eh, well we're forty three hundred subs. Now we need we need seven hundred more subs to make five thousand by the end of the year. Please please please, can you just go over there and hit that sub notification like or dislike button? Leave a comment. Please, if you listen to this on an audio platform, then you can just share as well as uh, leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, this weekend coming up also is the racing at Gary's RC Raceway. Uh, Gary's RC, he has having the TZO Team Shuffle Cash Race. I was talking to him. He doesn't know how many. He has a lot of cool prizes too. So if you're in the mood, we had Gary on her uh, a few months ago talking about the race. Go up to there. Go up to his home track, help him out. It's a team race. They're going to have payouts. They got cool prizes. I wish him all the best, and uh, I wish everybody the best of luck there this weekend. Uh, later on, coming up this year, we had the Turf Nationals. I didn't look at that too much. Not too many top guys. So Stacks were done pretty good up there in stock. Obviously, we have the IFMAR 10-scale Worlds coming up. We have the World Cup of e-buggy coming up in Guarda, Portugal. Sorry, it said Braga earlier. Uh, first ever IFMAR event for eight scale e buggy. Uh, we have Ongaro's race coming up September 29th, October 1st. Obviously, we have the Peach State Classic coming up as well, right after. Actually, Peach State's on the same, uh, the second weekend of the world. So the world starts on the 9th, goes through to the 16th. And I believe um, the Peach State Classic is the 15th or 14th to the 16th or 14th to the 17th. Can't remember. I've got my, uh, my dates all mixed up. Of course, we have Buggyland September 29th to October 1st. I love to go to that. I talked to JQ about that later on. J Concepts, J Concepts INS Round 4, the IFMAR 8 Scale GT World Championships coming up, Masters of Dirt, Florida RC Championships, uh, J Concepts NCTS Finals, Masters of Dirt October 19th to 22nd, uh, AMS coming up. That's right. Oh boy, I think the Europeans are coming. A few Europeans, not all of them, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see Canas. Uh, Ruffalo, Robert Battier, and I'm trying to get 
JQ to come, and even race. I think we're going to see those four Europeans there. So that's going to be good for AMS. So sign up for AMS, guys. Sign up for AMS. Uh, I believe signups are still open till it's till you pay. Not sure how that all works. But uh, looking forward to AMS. FRS uh, Florida Carpet Championships already confirmed for that. That's the second weekend of November. Ooh, lots of Europeans coming for that. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Get to see Bruno Coelho run on 10-scale carpet. Offer it. Looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to that. And all the other top contenders coming over, as well as the top USA guys. Uh, lots of good stuff coming up. Lots of racing left in this year. And uh, we have Fulbro. I think Fulbro is going to be the last big, big race, uh, indoor race of the year. So looking forward to that. As we saw, Badlands is no more. That was in the RC News this past weekend. Uh, they have lost the lease of Badlands. So that has now, what happened with that from what Brent explained it to me was that their lease was not renewed. It's a, it's a whole bunch of soccer fields. That was on city property. So the city claimed it back. They want, I guess they want parking for, for their soccer fields. So no more Badlands. Been there for 20 something years. Go on. Another track lost to cities. Uh, city, city, city planning or whatever. But hark, alas, there will still be a Fulborough race at the Lake Wakama equestrian center where i was just recently for the rc program other in other news i saw i mean we already talked about this but uh uh the true source guys uh tj and daniel chavez will not be importing hot race anymore they have moved to tzo tzo making a big push over there on the east coast as well so expect to see a lot of tzo products shop popping up there on the east coast of america uh, not too much. I don't really, like I said, I don't really have that much news. We, I want to thank everybody that participated in the waffle for the ultimate engine or the hobby wing ESC. Uh, as I'm recording this, I believe it's almost sold out last time. Lance, there was three left. Uh, we will be doing a draw for that because Lance has some big news coming up as well. That should be all on the FRCC page tomorrow night. Uh, after this podcast is dropped later on today. <clears throat> so all of that good stuff, lots of things happening. Lots of things going on. Lots of things behind the scenes. I'm hearing silly seasons heating up as well. So might have some news about that coming up soon. But stay tuned. Uh, Like I said, next week, no real podcast because I'll be on the road. I was trying to get Angaro on, but Angaro said he's getting ready for for the Worlds uh, coming up. Then I saw him doing a live with the Italian guys. Angaro, that's just my boy. How many joking? I'm sure he'll be on the podcast after the Worlds and after his race. So looking forward to definitely getting Ongaru on and picking his brain. All right. I think with all of that said, we're going to stop jibber-jabbering. We're going to get right into it. Uh, the the, the uh, Euros recap that is brought to you by High Tech RC, as well as Techno RC, and of course, Invisible Speed. We want to thank all of their sponsors for their continued support, as well as Sidewinder, uh, for all their continued support. This is the... Techno RC main interview of the Euros recap with JQ, aka Beaker. Thank you, Beaker, for your time as well. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A scale, TED scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you, Techno RC, for their continued support as well as Sidewinder. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, JQ, welcome back. Uh, we do have a lot of questions for you, but we're going to do the questions after we do the recap. 
Uh, but good to have you back in here. It's been some time since you was on the podcast. And last time you was on here, you did my story, uh, which was pretty good. I enjoyed that. We missed some things. So maybe we have to have a part two of that. I've had a, you know, we missed out on my whole prison life. And when I was in jail, working, working. not in jail, working in jail okay. and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, but we're recording this on the Wednesday after the Euros. No, the Euros were a week ago, right? No, they were last no, weekend. They were yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah, because they went so fast, right? It was over on Friday. The Ghani yeah. messages me, calls me like in the afternoon, Saturday. So who's winning the Euros? I'm like, dude, the Euros is over yesterday evening. He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, he's like, who won? I said, um, can I ask Kane those guys? He said, well, I said, I explained. I said, dude, it uh, it rain. It was going to be raining. So, and now all of you know now this is the week that also that the worlds were. So a lot of that stuff's popping up on my Facebook, like Degani's dirty feet when he was sleeping, like, you know, in that hotel and his feet were black after he got a shower from his flip-flops and he's laid out on his bed and all that stuff. And all the people that were watching the world, man, it's been a year already. Wow. What a, what a, what a great, what a great race that was a great, uh, you know, Renovon. So awesome. I got to see it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was watching it. Over uh, when I got back because I got home from the RC program uh, Tuesday morning, and then I think that started uh, Wednesday. So I was watching scoring, and then Thursday I think the coverage started. And we only got two days of coverage, I think, uh, which sucked. But that they had to cut the race short. But I remember just watching it and saying, "Man, I wish I was there." And I, that actually sucked too. I asked that can Invisible Speed get a discount because we were the title sponsors that. for the coverage. Because we got less exposure now. I heard but that. No, I heard that. No, I heard that. And uh, Nick mature. said no. Nick yeah. said no. <laughs> he said same amount of same amount of hours, same amount of racing oh, no. time, just in less days. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'll be with the RC Racing TV crew uh, next week. Yeah, Vegas. you're gonna have to make up for that now. You need to promote the course and the book so that. Uh, uh, I, I can only promote what sponsors are providing that right now. Yeah, the Invisible Speed is providing that right now for you. Right now? So you know what? You know what? Before we even get started, let's let's go, because we got a new intro, right? Let's go. We got no, we got a new ad. Here we go. Stop scrolling, you nerd. Learn something new with Invisible Speed. Are you the driver of this car? Yes, sir. Right. You just uh, won a free alignment. I had my car touched by JQ, and now I don't feel safe. I can't say that he didn't did improve his time yeah. in 10 seconds and so his I, best lap. Last question. Would you recommend the Invisible Speed course? Yeah, for sure. Spend your money. Good spend. want to learn more and make your speed visible stop scrolling stop scrolling stop scrolling we need a sticker or shirt with that that's actually yeah. a good commercial well done uh, to matt that's a good one we have another one too finally a whole year later we got a new commercial for the for the euros but that's going to be out of date as soon too because the offer for the free book ends october 1st correct joe jq beaker that's right that's right that's right. So if you pre-order, I mean, if you order the online course, uh, you will receive, 
you will be put in for the pre-order of the Invisible Speed Book 2.0 or 2.1 thirds that JQ is doing, uh, rewriting. And that's supposedly supposed to be done by the end of the year. But I know you, it's probably not going to be out and available to January. I have to be honest, I haven't written it yet. (laughs) Exactly. Why I say January, February. Uh, No, no, no. It's going to be in time for Christmas. Right. So that that means it's not going to be available for Christmas, everybody. I just know uh, how things work with you. I actually say it's 2023 Christmas. I th- I might have actually. Dude, they no, play no, that commercial quite gonna, a lot. I'm going to I'm going to get it done here in October. But you know what? We have links for all of that. There have been some people buying the courses and using the affiliate links. Thanks. We got a little I got yeah. a little slice of that. So someone just purchased that the other day. I appreciate that. And um I, think I got two here recently. Yes, yes, you did. Oh, yeah. You did. I was looking at how many courses I've sold. Well, the podcast or so. All right, JQ. So next week, uh, I want to recap. I'm going to be at the Hydrogen GP race in Las Vegas. Pretty cool uh, educational program and endurance race. Touring cars powered by hydrogen. I was supposed today to go to Santiago to check out the Dominican team's cars, but I have a lot of recording to do with you. And then I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to do a pretty cool uh, re, re, what's the word? Throwback type of podcast with Tebow from the 2013 Worlds, because that's the last time they had a world championship, 10 scale world championships in America. And he won that. So uh, I contacted him. We're going to have a little recap of that. Uh, it was a great race, as well as um, uh, just making some predictions and stuff for the upcoming Worlds that are coming up. I'll ask you your predictions as well. I know you don't pay attention to pure dry racing too much, but it will be cool to get that. But we are going to talk about the 1 8 scale 2023 1 8 scale off road. EFRA IC championships that happened at RC Redavon this past weekend. Well, past th- Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, it started, right? Yeah. So Tuesday was practice. When did you get there? Monday? Uh, we got there actually Friday. And then mm. Saturday, we were in Barcelona testing with Robert and Pecco. Sunday, we were close uh, to the Worlds uh, testing on. Uh, Roldan, who track close by, Roldan mm. it's called. Uh, we tested there Sunday and Monday, and Ronnefalk and Hampus also came, and there were a bunch of people there actually for those days. That's actually the hype. Like like when you, I, when, like when we go to a DNC, which you say, and I go into next year. Um, no. You know how, but I'm saying, you know, the comparison, like when you go to a DNC, there's always people at Revelation or there's always a club race or some sort of race prior to DNC the weekend before and everybody's there as well, getting that practice in. So I would assume it had that same type of atmosphere, same type of familiarity as that would be. Yeah, the hype starts building always when you meet people you haven't met for a long time and you're at a practice track. And even though it's a different track, you're checking lap times and figuring out who's fast and that kind of stuff. And right, I think the mind game start there, right? Yeah. And I think it's usually it's the drivers who come from a different kind of uh, climate or different track conditions. So it was a bunch of Scandinavians uh, practicing. I mean, like Kanas or Ongaro guys, they weren't there because they don't need to, because they, they can prepare at home and it's the same conditions. But for right. us, it's so different. So when we go there, it's good to get a two, three days on a different track, but in the in those conditions, just to 
set the car mm-hmm, up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, figure out tires and engines and all that stuff. And same when you when say conditions America, for us, it's winter time and we don't race nitro, so we go over there to America for DNC, for example, and we need to run a bit of nitro just to get used to that. Uh, again, so yeah. <laughs> When you say conditions, do you mean like temperatures and stuff like that? Is it? Well, I'm sure it's still summertime yeah. up there in Finland, right? Or just the track? Yeah, but it, yeah, the temperature. It's so okay. much hotter in Spain than you know in Northern Europe, especially now. It's I mean, it was end of August, so it's okay. already cool a bit over here, twenty something, and it can be like forty degrees over there in Spain. So it's a big difference. Okay, got you. I understand that point. Uh, all right, so um, I understand you were staying with Max, the cask ghost. Dude, Max needs some freaking sun. I saw that picture of Max, and he was almost fluorescent. His arms look like they haven't seen sun in years. He was so pale, I thought he was a ghost. A vampire. Yeah, he's a bit translucent. Yeah. And now he's I mean, a I vegan, know, too. Uh, I don't know how so that's I know he's like Scandinavian him. and all that stuff, and I know that they don't get much sun. And I know, you know, by looking at Paco, Paco is a nice bronze, like he got some sun. But Max, like, oh my god, his arms look like you know, like a white crayon, whiter than a white crayon. If yeah, it was like snowing, ghost. if it was snowing, Max would be perfectly camouflaged. He needs some sun in his life. He does, but the spe- I mean, this trip didn't help, and now he's uh, traveling home by train, train and bus. I know. That's why we couldn't have him on for a recap. Yeah. He's on vacation till next week. So have fun, Max, and uh, eat some meat while you're out there and get some sun. Both of them good for you. All right, then. Um, all right, JQ. So you stay with Max. Uh, Peko, who had a pretty nice hat, not a no-name RC podcast hat, but a nice hat nonetheless. Was staying with uh, all the Finnish guys. They rented a big villa or something. Villa, did you stay in the same spot that you say it stayed in for the worlds? Same area, different. Okay, home. Okay, but. all right, all right. So I, I have a I have an idea where that was. Uh, all right. So I guess we should just go on to let's talk about the the anything else you want to talk about before we go on to talk about the track. The track was relatively the same. Obviously, no change in the layout. But anything prior to we get into into that. Um, no, no, we can just talk about the track and the race. All right. So for me, I noticed that the track got that black line. It looked like it on, on video a lot faster than it did when we was at the Euros. So the the tracks, yeah, sorry. At the worlds, the track absolutely stayed the same, right? It was no change. They didn't change the track. They ran the warm up and then left the track. So we were actually we started the race on a track that had already seen a race that's why there was already a black groove there when the first practice started all right so they had a lot of rain prior to that though yeah but it didn't wash any any of that away if they did so uh so the track was sort of as it would be after a race when we started that's why it was far more consistent the grip was higher than it was at the Worlds. So, um, and it stayed, It the grip stayed high throughout the race, I would say. What type of, uh, what compound tires did, were you guys on? 
in with hot race we were on uh, medium and hard and then later on also clay really so medium hard and clay compound yeah okay and mostly was just it, sahara so was it that high grip like you see at ibc where um the sidewalls flex too much and it, it traction rolls and all that stuff or was it a yeah very type similar of... to that okay not as much grip as IBC, how IBC is in the beginning of the race, but mm-hmm. similar to similar traction to IBC, I would say. Like you, right, you I definitely didn't... saw cars sort of not sliding when going around corners, and they would go up on two wheels, and so that that was really an issue that uh, p- people were trying to eliminate. Sort of, sort of the traction rolling of cars. And for I example, was... Echo, he glued the front tires, the outside. Uh, edge like we did at uh, RCGP at uh, yeah, Nemo. Yeah, so the grip was high enough to where that that was actually beneficial to do. I also uh, saw was it Matrix that had different uh, sidewall inserts as well. I saw a video with them. I think for for Tagesi had a video with it. Yeah, they were gluing it, gluing like side, extra sidewalls on the inside of the tires to stiffen the sidewalls. Oh man, just what you need. More stuff to go with tires to make them more expensive. Uh yeah. if if so let's just get this cattle off the bag. If this was going to be a spec tire race, what tire would have been the best tire for this race? Um I think some it, let's say if it was hot race, then maybe uh maybe a medium Sahara would have been good. That's that sort of mm-hmm. indoor tread looking tire. Mm-hmm. So, something like that would have been good. I think it would have worked throughout the race for all conditions. So. Okay. So I would say the only thing that was a different was different from the Worlds in the end was just running under the lights for the final on the Friday, which was not something that's never been done here before. <clears throat> yeah, that was a bit of a shame uh, and also avoidable. So I don't know why they waited so long to make the decision because the weather forecast said rain on Saturday from before the race started. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really, it wasn't improving really. It was clearly going to rain. So they could have just made the decision earlier and also run Thursday's program a bit faster. Right. They could have got another uh, qualifier. Have, yeah. Like we could have done it in a way where that last day wasn't so long and so hectic mm-hmm. and the main wouldn't be so late so that we could have got everything done in sunlight. That could have been done. So it's good that they did it this way. So we actually got to run the main, but yeah, it's it's a shame that they didn't act a, a bit faster. Yeah. A lot of guys, uh, I talked to Robert and I said, he says, I couldn't see my eyes are too old for that. And People have to under people just have to understand a lot of the American listeners, they're used to running under the lights and, and whatnot. But in Europe, it's a very rare thing, a rare thing for them to run under lights. And you have to understand that this track is immensely, it's huge, right? So I could imagine back on that on the backside when they're jumping on those doubles and down in that far right hand corner, maybe, and that upper that upper top. Uh, left, sorry, right, the upper top right-hand corner on the driver's hand and that far left corner must have been very hard to see. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm glad I I didn't have to run in those conditions. Yes, but that's another thing that we need to bring up. You actually, your first Euro is not 
racing. How did that feel for you? Yeah, it was. Um, Euros and Worlds are always races that I enjoyed. So on the one hand, it would have been fun to race. But also, I was okay not racing because going into the event, I thought that we had two drivers who are sort of given that they are going to be in the main and they may even have a chance to win. So Robert and David, I assumed that they would be good and they would be in the battle for the win. And then I thought Beko and Hampus are both drivers who could make it in and maybe one of them would. So potentially three Mayako drivers in the main. And that's already exciting for me. So, So knowing that i was still okay with going there and helping everyone and and uh, not racing myself well paco almost did make it he just missed it missed it on the yeah, in his semi it's, yeah it's a shame uh what i did notice is that it's so much harder to set the car up and give good advice when you haven't driven the track at all mm. like at the worlds when i drove myself it was so much easier because i had a very good understanding of what the car was doing and what I needed it to do differently and how it felt in the different sections. And when we were practicing with Becco also, I was able to drive the car just to feel what it's doing. And then mm-hmm. I could help him a lot more. And then we got his car really good on that practice track, actually. Mm-hmm. So okay. even even just being able to drive the car a few laps so I understand the nuance of what's happening in different sections of the track, that really helps. Now, this track I have driven before, so that's good. But still, the sort of grip level of of, mm-hmm. the, of the Euros and how it's actually feeling on the track, to understand that, you really have to drive yourself. So uh, I think I think that for the Worlds next year, because of how the schedule is, I might actually race the worlds for that reason. Because okay, so now we're going to segue into that. So what is the schedule like? And what is the general consensus about the worlds being in Brazil from the Europeans? I think as far as I have heard, there haven't really been complaints other than the expense. But I know that the Americans are all about how it's so dangerous and that it's always that with the Americans. It's so funny because they... It's it. Well, I don't know if I should name the person, but someone I spoke to said, "Look, these these guys they live in in states where they have open carry and uh, mass shootings and all of that, but feel perfectly safe. But then they are afraid of going to a foreign country because it's too dangerous, which doesn't make make much sense. And I have to agree with that. I think that." Um, it being in Brazil is difficult because of the expense, but mm-hmm. the safety, I, I don't I don't understand why that is such a massive concern to people. Well, that's if, a... if you are like somewhat sensible and uh, yeah, common sense goes a long way. You I mean you was able to hang out to five and came back alive. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with um, uh, media and uh, social media and just posting all the bad stuff about a country, right? And I'm not saying that it isn't dangerous down there, but just use your common sense and, um, you know, just don't be an idiot, right? <laughs> You'll be all right. 
And even then, you can still some things can happen. Just don't put yourself in a position for that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't but, know how they are doing it. If it's going to be a super long race, but what I meant with the schedule thing is, uh, all the worlds I've been to, we've driven like twice a day. You know? Yes. So there's yeah. there's so much time to hang around, and the benefit of driving, so you you can really sort of test things yourself, and on the car or tires or whatever it may be. I will be able to help so much more w- based with that knowledge. And I agree. Euros, it wouldn't really work because, because of how the schedule is and how many mm-hmm. practice runs and qualifiers we have in a day, then, then it doesn't work. But at the race like the Worlds, where we drive twice a day, then, then it's worth doing. Yeah. So in other words, you find another excuse so you can still run these races. Yeah. Got you. I, uh, I find an excuse that I can still do the Worlds. Euros... I'm I'm done, but worlds I can still do. Okay, well, let's talk about the practice schedule. So practice started Tuesday. What was it? Two runs or three runs on Tuesday? No, I think it was, was more than that. Didn't we have like five runs or something? It was a lot. Let's let's check. I mean, I, I should have the schedule here. So, twenty ninth, you yeah, got we had five runs of free practice. Okay, wow, yeah, you did. So it was what five minute practice sessions? Ten minute. Uh, yeah, like I think maybe three minutes five. warm up and five minute run. Yeah, yeah. So, a good amount of driving. Yeah. So, what did you notice uh, right off the bat, uh, practice wise? Who was who was who stood out to you right off the bat of of free practice? Who looked fast and who who impressed you right away? <clears throat> well, I I would say that Kanas and Ongaro were expected. To be fast, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised to see them up top. But I remember that um, Polito and Boots mm. were fast from the very beginning, and I would say that it's fair to say that that was a bit of a surprise. In free practice, I mean, I got the results here: Kanas, Ongarov, top two, and then Polito third, and Boots fourth. Uh, and then Kilic, Baldo, Robert, and etc. So Polito's pace and Boots's pace, that was uh, surprising to me. I know that they are both, you know, capable of that kind of speed, but lately we haven't seen them right at the top at these bigger races. So Polito has even, I think, won some races in Italy against the top guys, but at the Euros, he hasn't been able to be sort of consistently right there at the top. Yeah, I would I would say that the SRX cars looked really good out there, right? And um, so they found something. I mean, but yeah. no surprise if Kanas, he, he's been on fire this year, you know? So yeah, and already last year he was really good, and I think yep. this year just a bit better. So he's, you know, I'm sure he has uh, been practicing and testing and and Put racing the work. A lot throughout. Putting in the work. All right. Uh, so you had one day of practice on Tuesday. Then you have your qualif- uh, your like seeding practice, I believe, which was on the Wednesday. And yeah. of course, one Carlos Canas tops that. So they, did they take your best uh, three consecutive laps? Like, yeah, I think it was three consecutive laps and then points for that. So Ongaro won the first round and then Canas the second. 
Yeah, so Ongaro had a, a first and then a three, and Boots had a, well, you know, a, one, a zero and a, a five. Who else was Boots? I mean, sorry, Kanas. Boots was still fastener. He had a two and a nine. Uh, no yeah. no surprise to see the uh, Baldo brothers doing well. Burke and Kalik, uh upped his brother a little bit because Borak was faster. Polito still in there in six. Yao Figueredo, no surprise here. Yao has been another driver that's been fast all this year and, and to the end of last year. So it was not surprised to see him doing well as, as uh, doing well in practice as well. Then we had Ricardo Berton, David Ranafalk, Oscar Navarro, who is a Spanish driver. Not, not a slow guy, but not, not a name that we hear much of. Uh, and then, of course, Jorn Nohat Newman, Borak, and the other Brian Balder and Barufalo. Robert Don in 16th, and Coelho Don there in 17th. I think that was uh, very surprising. I wasn't too surprised with Ranafalk's practice because he was kind of off, like, in the last Euros. He wasn't, like, upping practice or TQ in practice as well. Uh, was expecting Coelho to be a little bit more up there in the seeding practice, but he wasn't. And I was not surprised to see Burkan up there as well, because Barkan is really good at that type of stuff, throwing on some really uh, flaming fast laps. Uh, but once again, Boots, my biggest surprise here, uh, three, third, I would say. Him and then my biggest surprise to be out of all of this was probably, uh, probably I would have to say uh, Robert being in 16th, you know, and uh, Bruno Coelho, because Robert showed great potential in the regular practice, and then in seeding practice, he was he was not a 16. Was he bashing things? Was he doing the Bobby bash? Well, the thing is that you only got like six laps or something in a run. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I think what were these seeding runs already 10 minutes. <clears throat> so you got more uh, 10 laps, 11 laps. But with the lap being so long, over 50 seconds to get three in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Very hard to do that. Yeah, it was uh, three in a row. So many drivers, even though they had, you know, decent lap times, they didn't get three laps in a row, which was decent. And then it was so close in the top that you could easily be sort of, your pace could be like fifth or sixth, but you could be 15th, 16th, (laughs) just because of uh, one mistake, even though your lap times are good. So I didn't really worry too much about the practice more so just what is the best lap and what kind of pace is, is comfortable there. Yeah, the three laps in a row thing at this point on that track, it didn't really mean that much in my opinion. Now, as as a race mechanic, I would say it was your position at this job. Engineer, what are you looking for uh, from your drivers? Who are you looking at? Are you Obviously, you're watching Ranafal, you're watching... Uh, Robert, I'm, I'm sure you're watching Pecco as well, but Robert's brother was in there. Hampus was in there. Are you out yeah. there watching these guys' runs or are you just watching well, your guys' runs? It's, I mean, no, I watched their runs too. So I think the most important thing is to have a car that's comfortable to drive, which means that you can drive close to your best lap consistently. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to have, have a blistering fast best lap, but then you can't find any consistency because the car is too hard to drive. And that's something that you can get away with maybe in practice, maybe in qualifying even, but it, you can't do that in a longer main. So I think already from practice, you should try to focus on 
having a car that's easy enough and comfortable to drive, but the best lap is good enough. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> you need both. You can't have a car that's easy and stable, but you're slow, you're off the pace. That's not going to be good enough. And also you can't have a car where you can have that really fast best lap, but it's too hard to drive. So you need some kind of compromise, a balance of it's fast enough and it's comfortable. And then when you achieve that, then you just make small changes and try to uh, find a bit more speed. And that was really what I think we managed to do with Pekko quite well, because he was, I mean, I can't remember where we started, but it was something like 40th or something. Like he was quite far down early on. He, yeah, he was 41st after free practice. And then after the seeding practice, he was 29th. And then in qualifying, he was 19th. And then he finished seventh in his main, first one to miss the main, like seventh in his semifinal. And then okay. he finished 16th overall. So like throughout the race, he improved. His best lap improved, his consistency uh improved and he was happy and happier with the car that throughout the race and that's always my goal and that's maybe some that's one thing that i have um tried to instill also in these sort of top professional drivers that we've had because no matter where you finish in the end you should always be able to constantly improve and if if you have a race where you start out really fast in practice and then you do okay uh, but start doing worse and worse in qualifying and then you don't have a good main then that means that your approach is wrong because if if you are that good the track doesn't change so much that you start going slower no it means that you are making the wrong adjustments or you are making too big adjustments. I, I strongly believe that the way to approach a race, you have to have some sort of good base that you know and a plan. And you eliminate some factors early on in practice and you pick certain adjustments that you know that, okay, this is what we need to figure out. This is the direction we'll go. And you keep going in that direction. So you're not okay. all over the place throwing right, stuff at right, the wall right. and see what sticks. Because that's when you can get lost. No, mm -hmm. you, you make conscious decisions and improve each time. And if for one qualifier you make a change that, ah, oh, it's actually worse, okay, you change that back and, and adjust something else, right? But you, you still have a sort of step-by-step -step plan to improve. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And that's something that... I think we managed to do with Pekko where we didn't make too many changes. We, we make, made uh, small ones. I didn't even always tell him. <laughs> I, I just sort of figured like, okay, this will be good. And I, I did it. Just because so let me when, when a driver knows the change, maybe he, he sort of uh, subconsciously mm -hmm. thinks, he, because he thinks he knows what it's going to do, it can affect 
how he perceives it or drives or whatever. But if he doesn't even know that a change has been made, he'll just, you know, drive normally. And then you can really see how it is. So I, I think you should give myself and the people listening an example, uh, because I know you kind of focused. So I don't know how much, how involved you was with Rana Fox setup, because I know he had Adrian there as well. But give us a quick example of the differences that each driver wanted. Like, because I will say between Peko, Robert, and Ranafog, give me something that you would hear them come in and ask for the what they would ask for. And what, you know, was each driver different? Were they looking for the same thing? Was each driver looking for something a little bit different? I think that, well, David had a very different setup to Robert, the polar opposites almost. I would say, like, David had that standard short chassis. Robert has a long one. David shocks were very stood up in the front. Robert's all the way laid down. Um, uh, David David was running the KPI 1, caster 1, so more like a pillow ball style with a lot of inclination. Robert was running the KPI 0.5, so more like a C-hub style. Um... What else? Uh, they were both running the wider C and D blocks in the rear, so wider, wider pivot, shorter arm. Peko was running stock, narrower pivot, longer arm. The stock one makes the car sort of more calm, stable, easy to drive. So that's why uh, Peko was running that. But I would say all drivers felt the same thing where. They wanted to make the car more stable and calm in the fast sections. So this track has a lot of sort of high-speed corners and chicanes and sweepers where you really need the car to stay planted and and uh, stable and at this race not flip over because the grip was so high. So they wanted more stability and safety in those sections while not mm-hmm. losing steering in the hairpins because towards the end of the lap there's one two three four four hairpins and then as the lap starts a fifth hairpin so those hairpins are really key to your lap time so if if you make the car too stable and easy then you lose the rotation in those hairpins then your lap time suffers so that's that was the issue we were trying to find a solution to how to make the car stable and still have the steering in the hairpins Mm. So I can say that, for example, with Pekko, we started off with a car where he had to be a bit too careful driving the mm-hmm. uh, car around the track. And then uh, I think the biggest help with with setup was uh, we raised the links on the tower, front and back, to lower the roll centers. Then we made the rear link a bit longer. And all those changes just made the car more calm and stable. We lengthened the wheelbase a bit. We went thicker diffs, front, center, and rear. Uh, we went harder shock coils also. Now, all those things made him more comfortable in the sp- high-speed sections. But then he lost a bit too much steering in those hairpins. And this was still in qualifying when this was happening. And then I can't remember... I'd have to I have to think what we did to get that steering then. 
but we managed to do that like in the uh semifinal or quarterfinal and semifinal his car was the best it had been it was still stable in those fast sections but he had the steering in the hairpins he needed okay so so that was sort of the issue but the way we approached it was to make sort of calculated changes you know a couple at a time just so that we wouldn't get lost and so that we would always progress and okay. i think with robert for example i i think he was making too many and too big changes so oh. he he was good like there was a point where he had a run where the car looked really good maybe a bit soft but his lap times were relatively consistent and the best lap was good so if that was me at that point, I wouldn't make many big changes. Like I wouldn't move the car somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. now we are close. Now stick with this and let's make small adjustments. But he he wasn't uh, satisfied. What would be a big adjustment that you're talking about? What would he do? <clears throat> like big adjustment, like uh, changing shock position and link position and defoils and moving the hub back and uh, like multiple changes like this or changing the roll bar, you know, like all those changes, it just affects the car too much. Instead what I would do is at that point think, okay, what, what do I need? Uh, I need the rear to be a bit stiffer. I need a bit more support. Okay. So maybe the only change I do now is, I raise the rear arm on the inside half a mil, for example. Or let's try one harder rear roll bar. Got you. So or he went too far. Harder spring in the rear, but nothing else. How did you reel him back in? Enough. Well, it's hard. <laughs> you know, many. <laughs> or usually, when he came to ask something, I'd say, "No, don't, don't do that." <laughs> so, or question: Were I, you guys what, were you guys pitting all together, or was it like at the Euros where everybody was pitting in a different no, it's countries? My country. It's by country. But I saw some pits. Some, like, S-Works had think, the whole... Yeah, S-Works had their tents. They were there. But we were, uh, like, Sweden and Finland were right, next okay, to each other. Okay. Sort of mixed up. So that was fine. Um, but Spain was then in the other end of the pits. But, yeah, so I think that for the future, we need a bit of a better plan for how to approach the races and mm-hmm. and understand that when the car is close enough to not move it away from that mm-hmm. base anymore, mm-hmm. to just make few sort of uh, calculations. I think that applies to everybody, though. You know, anybody yeah. who's wrenching and learning setup. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So we move on to Thursday. Qualifying. This is when I kind of tuned in because RC Racing TV was there. Kudos to RC Racing TV. Did a very good job of covering it. Always good to hear my good friend Nick and Frank and Ash and all those guys on the on the on the stream. Matt wasn't there. He was at the ETS, I believe it was, or EOS ETS. Uh, so we go into qualifying, five minute qualifiers. I thought there would be 10 minute qualifiers. I was shocked that there wasn't. Because this is a world's no, this fuck. That's right. This does not qualify you for the worlds. I keep I keep oh, thinking you, this Europe is like a is always five. Okay. So five minute qualifiers you had, let's see. Uh, from the schedule, you had, <clears throat> I think you had two, three. Yeah, you had three on Thursday and then two on the Friday, correct? 
Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. So going into this qualifying, obviously no change in the track. Track similar. Was there any type of change at all from morning to afternoon? Windy? Anything like that? Dusty? Uh, what did we see where the uh, wind would kick up the dust and make lines a little better? Any anything like that through qualifying? I think. I mean, at times it got windy. Mm-hmm. So if you were running when it was windy, yes, then it would catch the car a bit in the air and it, it would make things harder. But generally speaking, I think the track stayed quite consistent. It was slower in the morning before the sun hit the track and then it got faster as it heated up. Uh, that's about it. So, Okay. So you go into this. How you how are you feeling about uh, all of this going into the first day of qualifying? here at the uh the 2023 efra european championships well for the mayako drivers i knew that robert and david needed to sort of improve their cars to be you know fighting for the top spots Mm -hmm. but i thought that it would be fine especially i think it was the second round where they were fifth and sixth and the times were so close i mean it was just you know, two, three seconds was the difference after five minutes to if you finished, you know, second or fifth or mm-hmm. sixth. So the, the times were really close. And then it was kind of funny, but right in front of where Pekko was, so he was like uh, 12, 18, and 19 was his scores. But how the times worked, there was a bunch of drivers really close. Then there was a gap kind of where he was, and then a lot of drivers again. So many of the rounds, he was on a pace to be in that sort of top group. Then he would have one tangle with another car or um, a mistake or something. And he would lose a couple of seconds, but he didn't really lose positions. Maybe just like one position or something like that. So right at the top, it was very close. Then there was a gap and then close again. All right. So Q1... I, di- I didn't expect this. Coelho comes out swinging, takes TQ. Was that surprising yeah, I, to you? I, well, I don't know. Not surprising. But I think what happened was that they changed the setup. I don't know if they put like a Baldo setup on the car or what they did. But mm-hmm. I think that he was struggling with the car in practice. And then they changed something for qualifying. And then he was fine. Because, uh, Oh, yeah, he qualified third overall. So mm-hmm. much better than what he did in practice. I was actually shocked. To come to think of it, I was shocked he was there with the 10 skill worlds starting. Like all these guys are making their journey to the to the worlds this week. So yeah. I was I was I, I really you know, wish Olowski would have been. Yeah, Olowski was actually at the ETS, which is a bit of a weird decision, but maybe they have a new touring car coming out or something, Schumacher. Mm-hmm. So maybe because of that. But for Coelho, this is purely just speculation. My thoughts, I didn't even ask or anything. But I was thinking that maybe they decided to do this because, yeah, he can get a good result at this race. And the Worlds, looking how their warm-up went, I mean, didn't he? wasn't he even in the B main? Mm-hmm. I think so. Like, Basically, this world in America, everyone is expecting the Americans to run away with it. 
Mm -hmm. So I just don't think that they they wanted a good result for him. Bruno is like uh, one of the favorites going into this world. He could win. I don't think they look at it that way. So then they are like, okay, what's the point of missing the Euros where we can potentially even win Mm -hmm. just because we want to prepare for the 10 scale worlds where we're most likely not going to win? That may, I could understand that thinking. That's that's kind of my thinking. Now I'm not saying that that's what happened, but mm-hmm. that's I get it. I get it. I get it. Me. Let's put it that way. All right. So in Q1, we saw him come, Coelho take TQ. We saw Ongaro second, and uh, let's see who was third. Uh Kurt Borak was third. Uh Borak very fast all weekend. Very fast all weekend. Uh, thought he had something for Kanas in, in the final, but we'll get to that. Uh, not surprised at Angaro. I'm like, okay, Angaro's on pace. But I was shocked at, let's look at, so then I looked at Ranafog, who in his first heat had a 10. And I was just like, ooh, that's not good for his first qualifier. Because now I'm expecting Ranafog to come out and start doing the Viking thing, right? You know, like we've seen him do before. And it just never, never happened, right? Uh, Robert had a bad one. He came 11th. He was right behind him. And, um, yeah, it was just weird. K- Kanas had a stinker. What happened to Kanas? He got a five. What happened to him in Q1? Do you remember? Not a stinker, um, but a stinker for a guy who went on to TQ all three rounds after that. Three more rounds. I don't, I don't remember. All right. So Q1, uh, we saw Coelho win, which I, and I was like, oh man, Coelho's on it. I, you know, at this point, I'm thinking Coelho is going to be a big factor going into this. And he was to an extent, but he never showed up to, to take Q2. Q2, we saw Ongaro come and take that. And then I was like, all right, I think Ongaro is going to walk away if this, this year, you know, he's going to win his first Euros. He's looking like he's going to be the Ongaro that won the world championships here. But, you know, my pick. I will say this. I picked Juan Carlos Canas, JCC. Hold on. Let's look at who else was fast in Q2 real quick before we go on any further. Uh, so Canas had a two. He was right behind him. Coelho had a 15. So he had a, that was a not, another good one. Hillick had a 10. So not good for him. Y'all Figueredo, six. Matia had a nine. Who was good? Who else was good in two? Uh, Barkan had a th- 13. Where's Boots? Boots. So Boots had an eight. Who the heck was? I really hate um RC. I hate my RCM sometimes. Um, yeah. What are you trying to look for? I was trying, trying to see who was like top three. And I know it was Ongaro. Hold on, Coelho. I'm trying to find who was the top three. It was Ongaro, Kanas, and who in else? Who oh, and Brian Baldo got a three in our Q2. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, no surprise. So I want to, I want to say something, right? When I, I, when we heard people say that these guys have an unfair advantage at this track and all that type of stuff, I think the only people that have a, a really unfair advantage on this track is the Boulder Brothers because it's their track. Yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that anyone else really does. Right. It's the not Boulder. like Kanas just yeah. wakes up and says, "I'm going to go run at at Redavon today." Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. No, because he's like seven hours away or something exactly people think people think this is like they get up and drive an hour and they're at Radovan. no these guys live far away yeah also the thing is that the track 
to really have that advantage, you have to run on the track when it's in the same condition as it is for the race. You know, mm-hmm. that's another thing. And Robert had a four, so Robert was on fire Q two. Yeah, good, this good is job. sort of the time when I was thinking, like, okay, so he's close now. <laughs> Let's try to stay here and figure this out. All right, so Q three, uh, we finally see. John Juan Carlos Canas, AC, aka JCCC. It should be JCCC, not JCC, but JCCC, because he has three C's in his name. Juan yeah. Carlos Canas Carrasco. But I think yeah. that's JCCC is too long. So we'll just continue with JCC. I think he likes his name, by the way. JCC, okay. you need to come on the podcast. JCC Spanish 23. podcast. Podcast, yeah, I like that. JCC twenty three Spanish podcast. JCC, don't ignore me anymore. Uh, and you two, Ongaro, telling me is going to the worlds uh, yesterday, and he's doing a live with the Italian guys, and doesn't want to do it with me. I see you, Ongaro. I got your number, good buddy. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So Juan Carlos Canas comes out swinging Q three last qualifier of the day, uh, and he just. Throws down a heater. He has a, he goes, he goes, he goes one. He goes, he wins. Then we saw Canas two. And then we saw Coelho show back up. He had a three. And then um, Hillick back in the mix with a five. And let's see, did Boots show up at this time? No, Boots, Boots had a DNF. Where did Ronafog go in Q3? Oh man, that was Ronafog's worst qualifier. What happened? He did he, he went off the track, right? Maybe, or something yeah. like that in Q3. You don't remember what happened to Runoff out in Q3? No, You're useless. You're useless. I don't useless, remember useless. individual rounds. No one cares. Just look at the overall. All right. Well, so then we go into sleep at nighttime, and then we wake up knowing that it's going to be a, a horrid schedule, a long day on Friday. What type of preparations as a race engineer and racers do you make for that long day, that night going in? Obviously getting some sleep. Well, knowing that there was not going to be a semi-practice and that the mains would be the same day, then it made sense to sort of do the first qualifier and then prepare everything for the main before the last qualifying run. Mm. So that, you know, clutch, clutch bearings, if you wanted to rebuild any diffs or shocks or anything, basically do everything, prepare everything for that qualifier, then run the qualifier Yes, it's still qualifying, but it also works as a shakedown for your main. So then after qualifying, basically you're done. You just do tires and make sure everything's good on the car and you're ready for your main. Now let's look at let's look at these qualifiers. So then we had <clears throat> JCC, obviously he took the win in Q's two, Q four. And uh second was oh man. No, who was second? Hold on. I hate this. I hate this. You look it up Joao. real quick. I'm trying. Wow. Y'all Figueredo shows up. Man, y'all's fast. He's fast. Yeah, and he was consistently fast. I mean, he had a two, four, six, six, seven was his uh, rounds. Yeah. Just like within a second of uh, higher positions or even TQ. So he was, he was really impressive in qualifying. I'd Boots say similar kind of the high grip. 
and this surface similar to his mm-hmm. home track mm-hmm. RBC. I would so say so. It makes sense. But then we saw y'all do well at DNC as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, but for this situation, I think it's mm-hmm. very. I, he could probably take his car and same setup and put it on this track and be very close. I would agree there. Uh, we saw Kilek. He had a five, so he was that kind of secured him in his semi. Coelho had a. Uh, he had another bad run. He had a nineteen, and then um, Mangaro had a two. So then we go into round five, and I think. Before even Kanas was able to run this, he had already secured TQ because Ongaro had a really, he came fifth, right? And I think he was the only person that could beat him going into this. And he, so Kanas kind of was able to use his last qualifier as a warm up, I would say, or a practice run, but he still went out there and TQ'd it. And then we saw, I just want to go, Ronafalk had a 10, which saved him. That's hard to believe in it. A 10 saved him. He had a five, I think he ten, and still made the semi semifinals. But yeah, to be safe, he needed a run. Like going into it, he yeah. knew he needed a run. And uh, we saw Ronald. What did what did uh, Robert have in his five? Robert had a five thirteen. So that was his worst run. Was it thirteen? Look, Polito had a fourteen. I'm just looking going through some of these stuff. Where did Boots fin up finish up in his five? He had an eight. So Boots was firmly in there after that as well. So that was pretty cool um, to see that happen. So then we went straight into finals after that. They took a break, I believe. And pretty quickly went into finals, I think. Right. So Peko had already, Peko was already in the, in the semis, right? Or did he have a bump into the semis? I can't no, quarterfinal. Okay. So Peko, Hampus, uh, Yuta Hotnin. There's some fast guys on Johnny Skidmore. Mika Widmeyer, uh, Robert's brother was in there. Robert's brother was having a good week. He had he didn't have a good yeah. semi because he started. He got I forgot. I didn't Four see what final. happened to him on the start. Who? Uh Danny. I don't know. So they took the so how this worked for people who don't know the top six, the top sorry, the top eight from so the top 16 went into the different semis and they got split up in between the semis. So Juan Carlos Canas, even though he was TQ, had to uh, still race in, which I think is a dumb rule. I think they need to change that where the TQ automatically goes in. I still think they need to do that. Uh, but he still had to race in. So there was still a chance that he was not going to race in. They had to race their semis. They took the top six out of each semi, went into the final, and then they took uh, uh, LCQ, where the top one went in, I believe. It was 13 drivers, right? In the final. Yeah. So, but also coming in from the quarterfinals. So for those of the, those of who are not familiar with IFMAR style, you have an A and a B, or an even final, and it goes on. It starts at the highest number. I believe this started at uh I'll have it up here in a minute. Um it started at a one uh one two fifty uh two hundred and fifty-six final. So one two fifty-six. 128, 160, uh, 64, and then it went, you know, so on. It just cut in half till you got down to the final. So when we're talking quarterfinals and semifinals, that's it. So they took four from each final, bumped up, I believe. Oh, no, it was three. Hold on. Was it three or four? I can't remember. From where? Thank you. Four you was from there. the lower finals. Right, four from the lower finals. From semifinal and one. I already from- covered that. I already covered that. I just needed to pay attention. Okay. 
yeah. astronaut earphones, pay attention. Yeah. Okay. Got these new fancy earphones. And you ain't I paying attention. I my headphones at home because they were in my hand luggage. Well, traveling. these ain't helping you listen. Okay. So pay the frick attention here. I'm doing uh, so. So we have to. No, 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 do no work. You got, you're working right now. I need it, yeah. You are working right now. Cheers. This is like my attention span ran out going through it. I know it did. I know it did. I know it did. that's why I'm reeling you back in like a fish. Need a beer. All right. Uh, Pampas, uh, Peko bumps up. Let's see. Let's go look at who bumped up into the semis from the quarters. God, I hate this website. So, um, Hampus bumps up. No, Hampus didn't bump up. Peko bumps up. What the heck? Doesn't it I think I told Peko that if Jessica would beat him, then I would <laughs> quit, quit RST. So he would probably have to quit too. Uh, like I retired when beat she beat me, but if she beat him, then uh, I'd be done. Yeah, but she didn't beat him. She actually finished oh, no. in... So you had uh, Peko. Who the hell bumped up? Peko, Daniel Parente. No, Daniel Parente bumped up from the LCQ. <laughs> this How is it so hard? To, what, what are you trying to do? I am trying Just to find who bumped final, up. And then click on the final you want to see, and then you can see. Peko won, quarterfinal it, it, it A. Doesn't, Samoya, it doesn't work like that. Jose Miguel Sanchez Martin, whoever that oh, is. Theo Lemaire. They bumped up. You want to hear a funny thing? Go ahead. You, as a sheriff, okay, I, then you got my attention again. Oh, great. So, so you must have to complain final, about something. Not complain. Kind of. Okay. The quarterfinal, last lap, last corner, Leo Valente drives through Theo Lemaire, okay? Takes him out, <laughs> bumps up, gets fourth position. Mm-hmm. So the referee reversed the positions. The referee saw it and gave Valente a penalty, which was he lost the position and Theo bumped up. Okay. And what's your rant about that? So do you remember who the driver was who I went Rupert the Sheriff on at RCGP? Do you remember who it was? And there's a video <laughs> where I, I said some of these drivers, they need to learn a lesson because they have no respect for the cars in front. Leonardo Valente. And he still hasn't learned. No, he hasn't, apparently. No. He's a complete hack. Through and through. Well, tell us how you... I'm glad you're... I'm glad you're awake now. He bumped and then he didn't. Theo Lemur. The sole HB in the semis there. From France. Good racer. Good racer seems to be. Where's that? Quick, off topic. Where the hell is Musso? I don't know. Retired. Uh, oh, dentistry now. All right. So yeah. you had your rant about Valente. He hacked Theo yeah. Lemire. Yeah. And lost that position. Great refereeing. Yeah. So we had, once again, I'm lost again. Uh, Not that quarterfinal. You need the other one now. Yes, I know. You go ranking list. No, you go final. Then you scroll down to the correct final. Yeah. Right. Final run B. Oscar yeah. Navarro, Hampersburg. See, this is just has them listed. No. 
What are you talking about? The top five, yeah. Oscar Navarro, he bumps. Yeah. Humpus Bad, he bumps. Jose Tomas, oh, yeah, that's right. I thought Humpus didn't make it to hey, the semi. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Jose Tomas Escudero Romero. I think this is the guy who was running a bug on Zauni. No way. Yes, oh, I think this it's is the, the guy. Uh, the guy who, oh, shit. Who had that so car? Raul Paris. Do you remember Raul Paris? That's it. That's right. That's right. Raul Paris Tony, is. Tony from I, Clinic I goes, look, Raul Paris is bringing out Bergenzoni again. And again, he's had it all along. So it's funny. He was there and he was helping this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he bumped from the quarterfinal to the semifinal. And then he was leading the LCQ for the longest time. And even in the semifinal, he was in a bump spot for a long time. And I was like, Who is this guy? This car looks good. Never heard of the guy, but yeah, his car looks good. Rob Harris, old engine builder there. Used to build lots oh, of engines. Different. That's a different. What was Rob? Pa- oh, he's a driver. Yes. Where was he from? Is he Spanish? Spain, but he lives on Mallorca, I think. Um, okay, got you. Island wow. boy. He definitely. Oh, that was that that yeah. shirt that I saw. Something about island. Got to be. Anyway, uh, that's actually very good. He was leading the LCQ, and um, yeah. but he didn't lead it all the way because the person that led the LCQ and finished it was actually. Daniel Parente, who I kind of expected to kind of go right into the fi- semifinals. Pecco did not. Pecco actually started to move up, but ah, poor Pecco. He just missed out on making the semi. I was, I hope you, I was hoping he would make the final. That would have been great. I like yeah, that. with a better start, early laps, it could have been possible. But yeah, the beginning was just terrible, and he was dead last after the first lap. So. Oh, still good to so, make it up that far. All right. So we go into our final and we have, let's see here. We have, um, oh man, why don't they just list the damn starting position? Damn it. By the, by the way, I'm just looking at the pit stop laps here because I think it was in the semifinal. The second pit stop was pretty amazing. Well, did you and do we, it? <laughs> yes. So what I did is I, I took him in one lap early because there were a bunch of cars and then he passed the cars. Mm. Um, like we undercut them. But the second pit stop, that even the lap here is 56.5, which is actually quite good when I'm now comparing to others. Like Kanas, who was running 49s, he had a 56 mm-hmm. pit stop there, I see. All right, well, let's get on yeah, to the final. Good. Let's let's talk about the final, because that's what people want to talk about, right? Final. So you're starting this final. Do you feel... Let's let's just play it. This is courtesy of... So here's our starting order. We had Kanas, Angaro, Borak Kilik, Boot, Elliot Boots, Polito, Brian Baldo, Robert in seventh, Dave Ronafog eighth, Barkan Kilik ninth. Barkan had a quiet world. Uh, Yao Figueredo tenth. Ricardo Barton, 11th, Oscar Baldo, 12th, and Daniel Parente. No Coelho. Coelho flamed out or something on his semi, right? No. So Coelho broke um, early in the race. Yeah, the not front, even a front universal. From the center diff to the front gearbox, something there broke. Came off or broke. Out. I think they said that it broke in two, so... Yeah, I yeah. guess they you would know where it lie happened? and say that their own car broke. 
No, it just broke, like driving. It, it I think it broke when he crashed over there going on the, 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 on the very back end of the track going on those jumps down there. I saw him go oh. off the track, and I was like, oh, it looked like it broke. And I think it did. Uh, well, that's when it broke. It's, uh, I mean, it's the center universal or CVD, whatever they have. So I don't think you can break that in a crash. Don't know, man. Don't know. Excuse me. There was no drive to the front wheels. So that was probably the biggest surprise. Coelho not making the Euro finals. Big disappointment, I would say. Yeah. Anybody in her that surprised you making it? I don't think anybody here surprises me, to be honest. In the main? No. Yeah. No. I think they all kind of, uh, in my opinion, all kind of deserve to be in there. So this is RC Racing TV coverage. I really like these red shirts, by the way. They almost look like reverse Mayako shirts. Yeah, the red shirts were really nice. I like them. I like them. And there we see Kanas. And this is just what Kanas done. He, he gets out to a lead. Did you, when you saw Kanas do this, did you think, all right, I, I thought that Angaro was going to tag along with him. No, this is Borak, sorry. I thought that Borak was going to, he did tag along with him for the first few laps. But I think after that first pit stop, it was like oh. Kanas just said, see you later. Adios. After, after Kanas uh, was first in free practice, seeding and qualifying and the semifinal, then it's like, yeah, no, he's going to win unless something breaks. His Red's engine sounds like it's going to blow up any second, but it didn't. So that was like my uh, only concern. Like, is he going to, is his engine going to explode or will he win? Ooh, that, those Ongaro are the got taken out right just now. Hold on. Let's go back and see that. Ongaro got a hammering. I think that was from Boots. It looks lighter. Well, it's still early. Early in the final. Let's see. Boots takes him out here, I think. Oh, no. That was Borak. Oh, he ran into the back of Back Borak. of Borak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, Borak, I thought, was going to hang on to him. I did. I really thought he was going to hang on to him. And he did for a little while. But Kanas has just proven why he's fucking the best guy in Europe right now. You know, that's it. Like, we can't not we cannot dispute that he is the best driver in Europe. There's Boots taking a hard slam. Uh, I mean, he drove an impeccable race. I think he made one or two mistakes at the most. He ran away with it. I thought Borak was going to catch him here and just and make it a, a race. And then I saw, like, after a couple of laps, I saw Ronafal creep up to fourth, and I was like, here he comes. Berserker mode engaged. But then he made a crash, and then he just dropped out. Did you think that Ronafalk was going to make a surge when he came up to fourth? When he came up to fourth, I'm like, oh, maybe he can't, he'll he actually podium. Like a third would be good now. Mm-hmm. But no. no. <laughs> I don't I think, think like also his... some things changed also because the sun was still right above the horizon here. Mm-hmm. But then it dropped during the race. And yeah, it got a lot darker. And I'm sure the track temperature dropped also. So that affected some driver's pace, I, I'm pretty sure. You know, I I thought that, to be honest, I thought, I remember when I, I was talking to, because Tony and I were watching this, and I was like, Tony, I think that this being on the lights is going to benefit uh, Ronafog, right? Because he's the most experienced driver here 
under the lights. He saw Ed Robert. He's been to DNC. He's won at DNC. And I thought that was going to be a great assistance to him. Did the, did the, how much did the temperature drop and how much did the lighting affect a lot of these drivers, you think? Uh, I know Robert said that he struggled, especially when it was changing, like when it started to get dark to adjust. Mm-hmm. And he said that Ongaro had also said that it sucked that they had to race at that time because of the lighting and he struggled to focus and to see. So I would say most of the time it's like you can always say, oh, it's the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. But with, you have an ad guy. I know. Sorry, I don't have YouTube premium. So, <laughs> but I think with things like this, it's actually not the same for everyone. Because, for example, I know that some people, when it gets dark and they run at dark, they can just seem to do the same and they don't have mm-hmm. a problem. But I've always had an issue. Like, what happens with me is when it gets a bit dark, I go into a hairpin, for example, and my focus stays on the hairpin when the car leaves. It's really weird how, how it happens. You know, so I'm, I'm constantly kind of catching up with my car when it, when it uh, gets dark. And I think that different people uh, react differently, see differently in, when it gets dark. And so it's not... Well, did it really affect Knats? No. Not at Definitely all. Uh, so, all right. So let's fast forward a little bit. We've, we, we've, we've come to the end of this race. Kanas wins it wholeheartedly. Boots comes second. Um, Angaro comes third. You said, luckily, we had Borak in fourth. Ricardo Barton, a quiet fifth. Very quiet fifth for Ricardo Barton. Uh, Yal Figueredo in sixth. Burkan seventh. Uh, Brian Baldo, eighth. Oscar Baldo, ninth. Mattia Polito, tenth. Robert 11th, Daniel Pariente 12th, and Ranafalk 13th. So let's talk about Kanas and his dominance. And does this jump him up to, obviously this has to put him the, the top driver in Europe at the moment. Would you agree with me? I mean, yeah, IBC victory. Kanas and, Kanas and Ongaro are the two top guys right now. And Kanas beat Ongaro at IBC, IBC. and now beat him at the Euros. We'll Kanas, uh, so we'll probably see these guys race again at Buggyland, which I would love to go to, by the way, um, because I believe Kanas will be at the Euro Cup for the E-Buggy World Champ, uh, qualif- uh, E-Buggy Euro Cup in Portugal. Uh, World Cup, sorry, World Cup. I, 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 I don't see these guys beating Kanas right now. He's just that good, right? That, that's why yeah, it's working good. Buggy Obviously, that's yeah. be interesting, really. Okay. Um, what about Borak's performance? Happy with that? Should have come third or second? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I wasn't watching them there at the end, but what I heard was that he was sort of blocking and brake checking and looking, racing backwards instead of forwards towards the end. Mm. And then trying to be too careful. Lap, he, I think last lap he made a mistake there, right at the end in that hairpin, and and Ongaro got by. So Ongaro's got a different paint scheme again, more red now on the one side of his car. Yeah, it's a combination of his current paint scheme and then the paint scheme he used when he won the Worlds in Australia. <laughs> Doesn't oh make gosh. any sense to me. But anyway, 
Yeah, so Ongara was fourth until the last corner when he got into third. Okay. What about Boots, man? Boots, I think the most surprising result is Boots here. Good result. Best result. <clears throat> yeah, and Boots came from further down. So we saw even in that video when he crashed, he was 11th, 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th, 8th for a long time. He's Yeah, he just second half of the... Sorry, I was looking at the wrong number, I think. Wait, Boots, number five. There's two number fives here. <laughs> what? The, the numbers here and the results don't make any sense. Okay. I'm serious. It, there's yeah, there is two, two number fives, two number ones. What, what, how does that work? Anyway, there he is. So after his crash, he dropped to seventh, it seems like. So sixth, fifth, fourth, fourth for a long time, third, second. So he came through the pack. And yeah, he was really impressive. He was fast. And I remember watching his car. It was super fast in the hairpins, really fast. Mm. I mean, noticeably uh, faster than uh, many other cars, especially like those two hairpins right before the loop. That's I was a good standing down there also by that container, so I could clearly see like there he was really fast, and the car looked very stable. And for some reason, he is. Really good at this track. This is. He won oh, he didn't make the world's yeah. final last year. No, but he was fast also at the worlds. I remember, and then he didn't have a good end of the race. Something seems to yeah. seems to have clicked for Boots after winning that race at Gusago her a few months ago. Yeah, he's and, had a uh, good season. Yeah, he has. He has. Is it a good enough season where he's still on S Works next year? You think? I don't know. I don't know that. I heard rumors that that might be possible. But S-Rex, S-Rex car is looking good. Three cars in the finals. Three? Was it three? Uh, Polito. Let's see. We had Canas, Boots, Polito. Four. So, yeah. Pariente. Pariente. Four cars in the final. Uh, good weekend for S-Rex. Think it's well-deserved by them, too. Been, they've been working hard to get to this point. Yeah, and S-Rex, Reds, and Hot Race, one, two. Yes. Well done to Nick. I talked to Nikola. He was super happy about it. Super happy. I think it's a great result for Canas too. First uh, Nitro European Championship, still young, 22, 23, I think at the most. Um, very good result for him. I know the people at SRX were super happy. I know that, that Max has been winning one of these. They have a, they have a, they have a electric one, but the Nitro one is the most coveted one, I would say. And to win it in such a dominating performance, and go one and two. And have four cars in the main. Uh, good stuff for S Works. Very good. Yeah. All right. Let's go through who uh, Ricardo Berton, like I said, very quiet. Uh, very quiet fifth, still infinity up in the air. Was this a production car? Or yeah, was it, still- it was. I heard that the, it was actually a production car now with the molded plastics and stuff. It's, yeah, I would say uh, Ricardo Berton and Berkan Kilic. They were the two drivers who, they were fast, but somehow invisible in a sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, somehow, I don't, I don't know why, but they, they were both really fast, but I, I didn't sort of, they didn't stand out at any point. Okay. Um, next up, we, did we talk about, we talked about Ongaru. We, we'll, we'll leave Ongaru because we're going to talk about him if David... Uh, Brian Bow, 
Y'all Figueredo, great six for him, too. I think he's happy with that. Uh, Brian Baldo, Oscar Baldo, eighth, ninth. Nothing to nothing to write home about, but I expected I think that. The, the Baldos, this is sort of people always say that, uh, you know, home track advantage and blah, blah. Yeah, it's true. But most of the time, this is kind of what happens. So at the end of the day, uh, you sort of end up in these positions if you aren't really elite. Even if you have a home track advantage, it has to be something really special for you to uh, be able to win or podium where normally you wouldn't be on that level. So, sort of seventh, eighth, ninth, that sort of position in the main, you don't have a problem, you finish the race, but you aren't fast enough to win. That's kind of where you finish. Mm-hmm. And many times at races where someone has an advantage and but is a good driver, that's kind of where they end up. So it's kind of ironic somehow that they are right there and uh, Brian is eighth and Oscar is ninth. Yeah. So yeah, it's always good when you're top ten at the Euros though. So Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. still a great still finish. Polito. Now Polito, I expect it to be up in the top three, to be honest. Yeah, but he started well, off much better least. too. Let's see now my RCM's uh, numbering system. So I pick the right lap time. He was here. car he number tenth. three. Yeah, but there are multiple car numbers here. So I have to pick the right uh, three. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so I did remember correctly, like he was up there top five was, for mm-hmm. quite a while. But then dropped all the way down like, to 11th. Yeah, he was still fifth on lap 31. Yeah. And then then dropped after that. And they did 54 laps. So over halfway, he was still sort of top five. And then I don't know what happened towards the end because clearly something happened because then he you know dropped all the way down to 10th place. Okay. Maybe out of uh, time. Robert- Something with the car, or I don't know. Okay, then we saw Robert, who just kind of never was in it, I would say, which was unfortunate because he was super confident. Let's see, he had a, he started out with a, hold on. So, yeah, it is confusing. He was in eighth now. He just never was able to get past eighth. You know, he started down the line. Unfortunate because, in my opinion, Robert was the fastest Mayako there all weekend. Well, he was, if you look at uh, sort of qualify practice, qualifying times. Um, yeah, even starting the main as top Mayako. But I don't know. In the main, it ne- he never really looked comfortable. No, not he at all. Not at all. Mistakes. And uh, yeah, he was not. I just saw his car track. like flipping a, a thousand times. And I was like, oh, Rob- Bobby's out there. Bobby bashing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunate for Robert. And then Daniel kinda I didn't expect him to do much as either. Uh and I guess the most surprising thing is David uh finishing last, retiring, not finishing the race. Uh had that glimmer of brilliance, got up to third at one point. Uh we have it her. Uh he got up to third on lap nine, dropped back to fourth, and then lap eleventh, he went seventh, and then he was just back battling between 7th and 8th and then lap 25, 10th 
And then he yeah, retired on lap 46. That thing with uh, Robert and was, yeah, he was in 12th when something happened. The, did you ever find out what happened to him? Or, or he what said uh, servo, steering servo, I think. Okay. So while having two cars in the main, very disappointing for Ronald Falk, I would say. He would be very disappointed with this result. After winning it, coming second at this track last year, uh, probably, I was he, do you think, I mean, obviously he's always a favorite, but was he a favorite going into this race, you think? Um, I, I haven't thought about that, actually. Because I didn't pick him. I, I don't know if JCC. he was a favorite because what races have we had and seen here recently? Like, not really. I think if you if you thought about favorites for this race, then you would say Kanas and Ongaro. Yes. That's like those two, I think, would be the drivers you would say. Well, I mean, this so leads I, to... I don't, because look, he did the IBC. Mm-hmm. What else? What other European races have we had? Montpellier, where Canas and Ongaro raced. No, but Not where many. David would have raced. Mm, that's only IBC. That's it. That's it? Yeah, that's the only race they raced all together, I believe. Okay. So, another disappointing result for Ronald Falk, which has been a, diff- a disappointing sophomore year, I would say, for him <clears throat> on the Mayako chassis. Now, do we do we want to talk about that? Do we want to... Do, or do we want to go straight into? Uh, we we congratulated Swax and all that stuff. I guess we have a lot of questions asking about Ronald Falk's performance and whatnot this year. Uh, I know people will say the general consensus is it's the tires. I know a lot of people blame the car, you know, but they'll say, "Well, Angaro he he finished third. But <clears throat> to be honest, when I watched this race. And I think we're watching Ongaro right now. I never saw Ongaro as a threat the whole weekend. He did TQ that one run, right? Uh, he made mistakes. He never looked as comfortable as he did when he was at the Worlds. And I would say the same applied to IBC, right? He he made a lot of little mistakes. Look, he just made a mistake, right? Let boots by. Made a lot yeah. of little mistakes at IBC, which actually cost him a victory to Kanas. Uh but Polito was faster in qualifying, but finished what tenth or whatever. And then Rana Falk also, you know, let's be honest. At DNC, it was tires he was struggling at. At IBC, it was the same thing. <coughs> so, what are your thoughts as a race engineer with Rana Falk and his performance this year? Uh, what's going on with that? Well, first of all, I have to say that the car is the same that. Last year, he won the Euros, uh, second at the World's Warm-Up, second at the World's at this track. Better question. Sorry. What would you say to all those people out there saying it's the car? Yeah. So, obviously, it's not the car because it's the same car. Okay? You can't can't win the Euros, uh, be second at the World's, and then go to the very same track where you finish second to Ongara and struggle because of the car like that doesn't happen could it be could you say that okay you have different tires then the tires require a different setup that's possible so if you twist it that way you could say oh it's the car because the setup doesn't suit the tires 
you can say that, but then that would mean that you have to put in the time and effort and work to figure out the setup for those tires. But Ronde Falk isn't the only driver running the new Matrix tires. Other drivers are doing the same. So Ongaro, at this race, he was a non-factor for the win, really, at the mm. end of the day, which the last however many years, I don't know, five years almost now, at a big race, Ongaro is one of the favorites. He won all the RCGP races, right, that one year, except the very last one where uh, Ronde Falk won at Thunder Alley, right? I think on- yep. Ongaro had won all of them before that. This is correct. Uh, he's now won the Worlds twice in a row. Euros, he never wins for some reason, but he he, he has the pace. But Kanas beat him in practice, uh, seeding, qualifying, uh, semi-final, and then in the main, Ongaro was like third, fourth throughout the race. So... Clearly, you can also say, and he didn't win IBC, as we thought, spoke about already. So we can also say that, okay, there's been a drop in performance for Ongaro also. And he has also said that he needs to, you know, work on the car and set up for the tires and work on the tires and stuff. So the tires have affected performance. But there's a much bigger drop for David than uh, for... <laughs> David than Davide, right? Bigger drop for Ronefak this year than for Ongaro. And um, since the car is the same, I would say you have to look at all the other changes in the program. So tires, servos, and radio have changed. And that doesn't mean that they are necessarily worse. It means that they are different and because they are different, you need to put in time in the, in the conditions that we race in. And David lives in Sweden and only runs in these conditions at these races. Uh, Ongaro has a track in his uncle's backyard, which is, you know, shares the conditions with these races, with these tracks that we race on. So he has a lot more track time figuring these things out so that's my opinion of of uh what's happened now matrix is a new company uh or new new tire it's not a new company but it's the tires are new for them for off-road they've been mm -hmm. making on-road tires already uh foam tires i think and rubber tires for touring car also i think but not for off-road so takes some time to figure out the, not just the compounds, but also the exact sort of uh, carcass shape and design and rubber thickness and all that stuff, you know, to make them really good. And they are working on it right now. But I think it would be silly to just say that, okay, uh, this year, this year the car isn't performing. It's the same car. Ongaro, same situation. You know, he, he won at this track. Now, he was being beat. Now, let's put it this way. 
Ongara was caught and passed and dropped by Elliot Boots. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not a slight against. I know Boots. what you mean. That's just like if I say that to you, do you think that everything is fine and Ongara is happy and satisfied and at his best? No, I don't think so. Right? Yeah, I get you. And, no disrespect to Boots. Yeah, this is kind of a segue into. In my opinion, a relevant topic more than ever now, which is control tires for these big races. A European championship, a world championship, a race that you spend so much time and effort preparing for. It lasts basically a week. So if you go to a race like this and you don't have the right tire, then you're screwed. And that doesn't just go for these top guys, also for the sort of normal hobby racers who go there and finish 50th or 100th or 35th. Same goes for them, and chances are they are paying for their tires. And maybe the right tire that you need is not even available to buy. And I just think that it's it's such a bad system and so unfair because we are... Most of us who go racing and most of us who race these big races, we are competitive and we want to do. That was Kana's only mistake, I think, just in the video. Yeah. Uh, And then we go to an ad. (laughs) Yeah. I think we are all competitive and we want to do the best we can on our level. So if our level is to make the quarterfinal, that's what we want to achieve. And when we do that, we're happy. But if we don't have the right tire, chances are we're not going to do that. So then we'll be disappointed. And we spent all that money. And the reason we didn't achieve our goal was because we didn't have a good enough tire. So I just think that's such a shame. And it's so frustrating. You can literally spend thousands of euros buying tires. And then you show up and and you need something else. So... So my question to you would be if every, let's say everybody was on the matrix tire, right? That was the spec tire for this race. Do you feel that Ron would have uh, been in better contention? I think so. Yes. Okay. Um, I think if everyone is on the same tire, it, it makes the racing different because uh, it levels out the playing field and more focus and emphasis goes on the car itself. So you have to develop the car more and the setup and really perfect it for the tire that everyone is running. And for me, that would be a lot more interesting and make the racing more exciting. This you know, race you're not now alone. Is like hot race, first and second. Uh, how many hot race in the main? One, two, let's see. One, two three, four, is it five? I believe so. Ariente, uh, Robert, Merkan, Matrix had the Baldos, and uh, Polito and and Matrix had a good bit. But that's a big tire war, right? Hot race versus Matrix. Yeah, so so they shared the amount of uh, tires, but Ongaro should be winning, and he was fourth and then got third. 
Ronne Falk wasn't a factor, the Baldos weren't a factor, and uh, what's his face? Polito was fifth and then faded towards the end. So it on this level, it makes such a massive difference. Tires are the biggest, uh, the biggest single thing that affect performance. So I would I, agree. I it's crazy that now, especially when we are at this high level of racing, where the tracks are now prepared in ways where they are quite consistent, and the cars are working really well, and the level of skill. Uh, the drivers have is at an all-time high. So they are able to do, you know, consistent laps for the whole main, maybe one mistake in 45 minutes, you know, stuff like this. So everything has to be perfected. So I I think we are at the point where we desperately need uh, control tires for these races. What do you think? So I had another top USA driver tell me this at Wicked Weekend. Uh, I was. It's all. It was off the record. I don't know if he wants to be on a record saying this, but he is the top USA driver considered to be one of the best in the world, if not the best. Uh, he said the same thing. He says, "I think that the nationals, the Euros, the world should all be spec tire." He says yeah. it's. It should be. He says. I guess my next question to you would be: Why is it such? Why is it not so? I mean, I think every other discipline is a spec tire. Right? Why is what is the big push for not having it in one eight scale racing? Honestly, I don't know what the bottleneck is. It doesn't make much sense because in the in the classes where we have spec tires, if you would suggest to them that we have a race like we eliminate the spec tire, they would be like, "No way. There's no mm-hmm. way we can do that." Mm-hmm. Like, go and suggest to so on road guys that it's going to be open tire for the next worlds. They'll right. protest. They won't go like it because they know that in let's say touring car, electric touring car, you have a different tire that's two tenths faster. You mm-hmm. can pack up and go home if you don't have that tire. Got You're you. not going to find that speed somewhere. Got you. Okay. And we are getting to that same place now with right. that right. Right. raised right. level of professionalism in RC and in eight scale off road. We are now at that point where. If you have a tire that's slower, like on this track, let's say you have a tire that just you cannot match the the speed and how long it lasts, you know that after 20 minutes you're done, you will not win. You will not win. You cannot change your driving or adjust your car or do anything to make up lap time and uh, make your tire last 20 minutes longer. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you can't, you're done. You're not going to win. All right. So I think I would like to ask the, our listeners, what do they think? Should, should these races be spectacular? You know, I, I, I am on the, I used to be like, let it be open. But now I think I'm leaning more to it. Let it be fair. Right. Sure. Uh, we have plenty sure. of races where spectacular doesn't, where you don't have spectacular. Right. Yeah. But these type of races can be. Maybe I can explain the point like this. When I said that professionalism, because of the professionalism, that's why we need the spectator. So if you if you have like a local race, local club race, you don't need a spectator. Why? Because you can get a tire that is worse and you can prepare your car well and 
practice and drive well and you can win the race, you know, because it's a local race. So that performance advantage of a particular compound or tread over another doesn't matter that much because the skill level isn't that high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it matters less. But then when you get to a point where every little tiny detail matters because people are so evenly matched and and the racing re- calendar, the year revolves around this race. Let's say the last time the Worlds were here, this Euros, on a track that's consistent like this, the skill level, the drivers are so close. Then you are at the point where that tire really matters. And when you have the wrong one, you, you are in a position where you can't win. So what that tire was race, Borak on? Can, that local race, you can win. It doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. at a European Championship like this, you can't. So, all right. Uh, so those Borak of you who... Okay, so the Sysbix seem to be doing okay there too. Uh, right now, we're looking at Boots' car. And for those who are, this is a two-faced car. So he has his normal scheme on the pipe side, the engine side. And then on the other side is for a UK racer named Craig Jackson. Greg or Craig, oh, sorry. Jackson. Carl Jackson, sorry. I had it all, I'm sorry. Uh, who passed away recently here. So the lime green is a tribute to him. Um, all right. So I guess we'll segue into this. And then we'll go into some questions. Uh, what does... So coming off such a very good year that Ronald Fogg had last year, you know, like people can talk shit all they want, but he had a very good year last year. He came second at the Euro, at the world's beautiful drive, uh, had a good DNC, even though he didn't win. Just, you know, he had a, he got a win in e-buggy. He had a fifth in nitro buggy. Uh, then of course, winning the European championships at IBC. But this year has been, let's, let's be honest. It's been horrible. It's not been a year, a good year. It's been a, probably one of his worst years he's had in a very long time. What does a driver like Ronafog do to reset and get back? Because, I mean, we do have a couple more races left in this year. Buggy Land being the next one where everybody goes to. I guess, is he going to the Angaro race as well uh, in Italy? That's a... No. Actually, this was like the last race where that he was scheduled for. Well, maybe Buggy Land. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this was like the last race that we had a target like okay we prepare everything for the euros like this was the right. main target right so you put all your eggs in this basket uh yeah. but what does a what does a racer what does a runner fog have to do now to, because it has been a it's been a bad year for him what does he do to reset and get back on track is it i think the only thing is just sort of track time really Track time, working on the setup, being comfortable with all the new equipment, and that's it. It's not like he forgot how to drive, you know, and it's right. not like there's some big problem. You know, you look at the lap times and you look at uh, sort of qualifying runs where, let's say, there was one bad lap and you remove that, you check the pace. It's, I mean, it's he can still drive. He's still mm-hmm. fast. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not something where it's not fixable. All right. Because we've seen Ronafog is the type of driver. He moved on to Spain for uh, at some point, that's Robert doing, doing Rob Bobby things. Uh, we saw, we saw him moved on to Spain for uh, a, a few, like almost a year, I would say. 
to practice and to, when he was running HB and all that stuff. We saw him go out to DNC five weeks prior with the Mayako. Uh, is it getting back to that level of dedication to get better? Because I remember when he when we was talking about, you know, when he changed over to Mayako last year, he was also on any tire that he could run. Any, he was available on any tire. He kept everything the same besides changing the car. And I remember him saying he was thinking about changing, uh, maybe possibly going to high tech. And he said he just did not want to take the chance of changing too many things at once. Do you think the tire servers and uh, tire servers and radio uh, have been too much at once, or or is it just when you look around at Angaro, it's just changing tires, right? Which is still a big deal, but Angaro yeah. has been putting in the time. Angaro has been kind of doing those Italian races and stuff like that, you know, which has given him time to to work. And he's also down there in Italy, I would say, working right with the guys from Matrix, which is yeah. which is also a help. I think it's a lot. Um, also, I, RC is a bit too small, but not, I wouldn't say like too small. You can do it if you want. But if you think about someone like Kyle McBride, for example, mm-hmm. Kyle had the talent and the skills built up that he could have been, uh, you know, Mayfield or Ongar or Kanas, you know, he could be that kind of driver. But the thing that was stopping him was that he lived in Australia. Mm-hmm. So to do that, he would have had to relocate. He would have to move to, you know, Southern Europe or to America. And then he could have done that. But he chose not to. And I think with Ronne Falk, it's a similar kind of situation where he lives in Sweden. So our season is really short for outdoors racing. And if he wanted to have the best sort of career results wise for eight scale nitro, then he would need to spend more time in a Southern European country, Spain, Italy, France, something like that, where he can race more and race at the higher level, but also practice more and practice more on the track, the same kind of tracks that these races are held on. So I definitely believe that like I wrote a blog uh, some years ago where I said that maybe this was like 2016 or 17 or something like that. And I, I said that I think that the, the driver who will dominate eight-scale nitro off-road in the coming years is Ronnefuck. And, it well, he hasn't. I, I think you can't argue with the fact that that driver would actually be Ongaro. Mm. Since then, the driver who actually came around and who you can say is like, yeah, that but Ongaro has one thing that he hasn't on. done that yeah, but Ongaro has David has one thing that Ongaro hasn't done. Yeah, but well just Ongaro has not won or done well in America. Yeah, but he has won every big race in Europe. Yeah, here. but so in that time still... period, like if my blog is more accurate for someone like Ongaro than it is for Ronefalk right now. Just your appearances, I mean? though. It doesn't. It does not translate. So I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. No, no uh, because look, I'll I'll explain. I I he, wrote. He has one of euros. Sixteen or seventeen. I wrote that uh, Ronefal could be that driver to dominate eight scale off road. Okay. If you look at the whole RCGP season, 
every big race in Europe, including that Neo, the last I, was it the last time it was at Harper Adams, uh, the last two worlds. I think the best result he had was a second at DNC. He is still the driver who is closer to that definition than uh, than Ronne Falk. And then you cannot, if you look at America, it would be Mayfield. I mean, Mayfield won over the last five years so much, like he won all those big races in America, right? So I think the only reason why that didn't happen is the fact that he lives in Sweden and not somewhere where he can drive and race more. That I think that's really the okay, okay. the key difference. The lack, so what you're the saying lack is that of of uh, track time, practicing and testing, and being comfortable with the setups and knowing what to do at the races, and the the lack of race experience racing these guys. Okay, okay. I, could, that, I, could I think that. that's the own, only reason because the I still sort of agree with the things that I wrote. In that blog, like the way he sets his car up, the way he drives, he can be. That's why he can be good on a European track and really fast, and also on bumpy American DNC style track. Like Ongaros struggles because of the way he drives and sets his car up mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. like DNC, mm-hmm. uh, and he will always struggle on that. But nowadays, modern tracks suit Ongaro, but they also suit David. Like he can do both. He's more versatile in that sense. Uh, and also, he has more experience than someone like Mayfield on a track like this, like the Euros track now. So that's why I thought back then he's going to be the guy. He can he can win DNC, and then the next week he can go and win on a smooth European track. That that was my thinking because of the way he drives and where he sets his cars up. And yeah, but it didn't happen. And yeah, like I said, he lives in Sweden, not. Spain. That's the reason why I think. And now we are looking at going into an era where we have Canas and Ongaro yeah. is still there. So it's going to be. And now the Kiliches are coming. Mm-hmm. You know. So so let's talk about that in the whole world stage now. Where does that push Canas? In your opinion? Uh, I mean, a small step closer to the top. He's al- already been. You know so close to being there and or he, he has been there already you know so well on a world stage where do you rank him now i mean he he's how has he done when he has uh done those races in america i not can't the remember best. he's still not not the best he makes the mains uh it's so different Oh, yeah, I, I believe he's, he's coming to uh, AMS. I, I, oh, he is? Uh, that's, uh, I believe him, that, Baruflo, that and probably be, Bobby. That will be really interesting to see. But I think any European or sort of Asian track race that we go to, he will be a contender for the win. American tracks, have to wait and see. Okay. American All races. Right. How about boots? What does the future look like for boots? You think right now after this this victory? After I can call it a victory, but I would say probably one of his best drives in a long time. Uh, I don't know. This year has been good for him. Um, 
it's I always wondered like I think we spoke about it at one point on a podcast saying like he is living in Italy working for Reds he has a track five minutes away why isn't he doing better didn't we have a conversation like yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. like why what's going on like that he doesn't he have the motivation or his family now or what's the reason for this like now he's doing what I feel like he should have been doing the whole time so yeah, I don't know. He's got to be getting older now too, right? Got to be cl- yeah, getting but, close to 30. I mean, car looks good. He's solid. Will this continue? He has one in not? America. He's one of the Europeans that have yeah. one in America. He's won Silver State in America. Yep. He's won two European championships. He's done well he, at the NCs. Year, yeah, this year he won the UK Nationals. National he won that race in Italy. He got second at the Euros. Like He's in a good place right now. So mm-hmm. interested to see that how this continues. And I hope uh, for him, I, mean, I hope that he stays with S-Works and keeps everything the same and keeps on going. Yeah, I would say that would be ideal. Uh, one person we did not talk about was Barufalo because he wasn't really a factor, right? Made the semis, did not make the finals. Win uh, Silver State, doesn't do well at her. Yeah, what about well, a guy like Barufalo? I thought that Barufalo may have uh, matured a bit. I, <laughs> I think we also spoke about that. He had a good, mature drive at Silver State, and it just seems like, hey, maybe he grew up. I was wrong. He was back to his old ways. Hack like Valente, taking people out, driving like a fucking idiot. Deservedly got stop and go or something in the LCQ. Uh, came in. Full throttle, almost broke Bayer's hand. That was just when, uh, what's his face? Coelho's car had broken. Mm-hmm. I think if timing had just been a split second different, then uh, Bayer would have a broken hand right now, broken fingers, whatever, because he was just reaching down to get Coelho's car and Barufol just was like pinned in the pits full speed hit Coelho's car and it flew out the pit end of pit lane. <laughs> you know, just like craziness happening. And then he was doing cartwheels and donuts on the track, like almost uh, like going into other lanes, taking other cars out. Like it was just a mess, you know. It's really stupid behavior to do that. On that level, like you're a paid professional and mm-hmm. you act like mm-hmm. that. It's just ridiculous. I mean, we all make dumb decisions at times and get emotional, that's fine. But this is like beyond that now. You know, there's like, it's... He's getting older. He's older now. He should get yeah, older. There's absolutely no point. You, you, he needs therapy or something, seriously. Because gorgeous. Like you can, I'm serious. Like, you have to somehow be able to control your anger or emotions better than that. Okay. To like to not blow out to the extent where you are endangering mechanics and ruining other drivers' races on the track just because you're mad or whatever, disappointed in yourself, in your okay. own performance. You know, like he's a, I can, I can like a nice guy off the track, but yeah, it's like Mayfield said that he would throw punch him or whatever the next time. It's like he didn't make that comment based on nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think that's an, an, enough. We've been on for an hour and 52 minutes. Anything you would like to add 
uh, before we get off the Euros and get into some questions? Uh, I don't think so. Was there anyone else? My, but I will say this. Uh, Michael had a pretty decent team there. I'm going to, you know, it, it looked pretty big there. Yeah, I think I'm wondering if that's the happy most about that? cars I have ever had, like from JQ Times, even because we were 13 cars. So I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure. It's close to the record at the Euros, I think, if it's not the record, but definitely that highest level of drivers, like five drivers within the quarterfinals, four in the semifinals, two in the main. That's really good. Okay. So, right. yeah. Sweet. Good stuff. Good stuff. Disappointing, though. I know you would like, like to have won it or got a top three. <clears throat> I know you're disappointed about that. Yeah. I mean, podium, win, Beko in the main. Yeah. So, so it yeah, sounds like you're really, sport. you're really, really liking Pecco. Like, what is yeah, it about Pecco that you like? He's a positive influence. You know? It's okay. <laughs> no, he's, I think in interviews or something, maybe he's a bit more reserved, but he's a really positive uh, influence, let's say. <laughs> Always happy and, and, uh, Good attitude. And he throws you in bushes. That's what I like. And he can manhandle you. Yeah. He does. <laughs> yeah. It's good. All right. Well, thank you, JQ. Congratulations to Juan Carlos Canas on his victory, as well as to S-Works, uh, Reds, and Hot Race. Congratulations. Great victory for them. Great one and two for them, even you know, even though uh, Boots is an officially Hot Race. But uh, I'm sure they're all super pumped for that. We look forward to Buggy Land coming up here. Uh in next month, this month, this month, right? This month. Uh, it's the it's like the last weekend, so it goes into October. Oh yeah, man! I would love but to go actually. To that we race. are looking forward hint, hint. to another race much sooner. So not this coming weekend, but the ooh, following weekend. Ooh. Forty plus euros. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. So at Let's... least I know that Sartel is going. So Jerome mm-hmm. Sartel and me, and I don't know who else. Hopefully it's... some other five guys. Where is it? In Austria. At fairing? No, some other track. Is it like a rough track? I, I don't know. Uh, I have to find I, I out. I know Bauman Basement's looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, so I have to find out because I need to know what tires I need. I said, yeah, you and Jake, you can have some beers. And he says, I don't drink alcohol. I said, well, don't worry. Jake, you will drink enough for you. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Jake, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to go into some beach RC and Sidewinder Fuel uh, bench racing Q&A. And... Uh, Congratulations once again to everybody and to Redavon for putting on another great event, in my opinion. I uh, look like a great atmosphere there as well, similar to the Worlds. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Thank you. Thank you to BeachRC for their continued support. Shout out to Brent Dansford and Lucas. Uh, the RC program was awesome. Check out Lucas's uh, documentary. Have you seen that, JQ? He did a really good documentary about the Nationals. It's on uh, the BeachRC YouTube. Go over there, hit that notification button, hit that like button, hit that sub button, leave a comment. It's a great, great uh, documentary. We also have 
an affiliate link. If you want to use it, it's in the written description of that of this podcast. It helps us out a little bit, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. Also, the Ben Tracy Kuna is what? Yes. I think I saw it as a recommended video on YouTube. It's like the thumbnail says something, a documentary, RC documentary. Yes, yes, that's it. I didn't click on it, but I saw it. Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. You just like to interrupt me while I'm doing my ads. All righty. Also, side one of fuel. Morgan Fuel has been collaborating with many of the world's top drivers for the last 40 years. Over the, the, the last 40 years, this has enabled them to test their fuels in many of the most challenging situations to take the development of competition fuels to the next level. The result is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel has been track tested and proven by national and world champions such as Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Pavidis, and even a Finnish idiot has run it at some point for quite a long time and many more. These drivers appreciated that Sidewinder is blended perfectly for the high-performance needs of competitive racing. Do not let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. And I just wanted to give another little special shout-out to Little Bump, who uh, is a the top Sidewinder driver at this point. And he absolutely kicked ass last weekend at H, uh, uh, the RC Pro weekend at HRCR. Uh, beat Tebow, man. Beat Tebow kind of straight up on that race in 30 minutes. So well done to Little Bump. And uh, keep on running that sidewinder, little guy, and keep on putting on a good show. All right, JQ. So we have some questions for you. Obviously, a lot of these questions pertain to Runafalk. We will not answer them because we kind of went all over that in the previous uh, segment of this podcast in the Euros recap. But our first question to you, JQ, is a setup question. So tiger question. So this is what you like, and this is where I phase out of things. R.D. Gilliand, how can you tell when you're on too soft of a compound? What's the car feel like, or do you let do you, does it to or do to let you know I need a different? Okay, what does the car like or okay, do? Why don't you just let, start again? I'm already confused. Just like you're all pixelated. That's why you're confused. Pixelated, pixelated. You must be doing something on your computer, not paying attention. I I don't know, man. Are I'm, not really doing, I'm not doing anything on the internet, so... Will you just... Will you look into the camera? At least act like you're paying attention to me. Okay. okay I know it's been just, almost two hours right. and your okay. attention span okay. is at... You have my full attention. Right. Let me get some beer. Whoever's okay. watching this... Wow, dude, you're super pixelated. Uh, whoever's watching this, Jake, you needs beer fun. It's definitely the end because I'm clear on this side. Uh... R.D. Gillian, how can you tell when you're on too soft of a compound? What What's the car feel like or do to let you know I need a different compound? Thanks. I would say that you can tell because your first lap might be okay, and then it starts fading. Your car starts getting worse, and it starts feeling sort of wobbly and imprecise and and just wallowy. What's the right word? Wallowy. What nice word. Is is that a good uh, word? It just feels like it's like sort of this. not really connected to the track solid. <laughs> you don't know exactly where the hell it's gonna go. And then also you don't have that good forward drive when you want to accelerate. And then after the run, you look at your tires and probably they're gonna be worn quite a lot. So okay. that that's really a way to tell. And I think in RC often. Drivers run tires that are too soft. 
because it's people somehow associate the soft tire with grip. So they think, oh, mm. I'll just go soft tire and I'll have more grip. But it doesn't always work that way in, in uh, off-road. So many times a harder compound will offer more traction because the pins will dig into the track better. So you'll notice mm. you'll actually have more forward drive and you'll have a bit more initial grip and more control of the car. So, yeah, it's a balancing act. You, you Shameless plug. Do you talk about tires on the Invisible Speed online course? We do, yes. And okay. if you get you... the course now, you get a free pre-order of the new book. And you know what? In the new book, we talk about these kind of things too. We added a lot of chapters. Exactly. And you know what? There's a affiliate link in the written description of this podcast. Check Amazing. it out. All right, next up is Jay, Jeff Dabney. What's up, Jeff? Since the Worlds and 8 scale seem to be held on more European-style tracks and Europeans seem to win more often than not, should Americans be building more of these style tracks in order to better compete at the Worlds? And we have a rebuttal from Stephen Bess, but I'll let you answer that question first. I phased out like two-thirds into that question. Spaced out. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I was thinking about something else. Jeff Dabney RC wants to know, since the world in, in eight scale seem to be held on more European style tracks and the Europeans seem to win more often than not, should Americans be building more of their style tracks in order to compete at Worlds? Or, you know what I think they should do? They should just go over there and race with them. Yeah, they should. But actually, I disagree. I don't think like... For example, IBC, that's not really a European-style track. Come on. That's an American-style track. It's like almost like a 10-scale indoor-style track. I think what's happened is we've gone to these sort of obstacle course tracks, which have come from America. Maybe if this guy's in California, he thinks, oh, those Euro tracks when they're smooth and all that. But you have these same kind of tracks in America too, like Thornhill and uh, Thornhill. some... You know, even like Badlands track. Yeah. You know that track's Fall gone, Brawl, Badlands. Right? It's gone? Yeah, no more Badlands. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. anyway, Smitty these tracks where uh, a lot of jumps, smooth, hard, polished surface, that's really come from America to Europe. And the reason I sort of spaced out there was because I was thinking that I'm actually really happy that I raced in the era I did because we had real off-road tracks. So many of the tracks we raced at were dirt, not treated. They had jumps, but not too many. Many different kinds of corners and chicanes and, you know, racing tracks. And then they would break up, so you would start having bumps. So maybe you would have a bump in the middle of a chicane and you would have to know that there's a fucking bump there. So you have to slow down a bit or take a different line. And that aspect of racing, I really, really enjoyed. And nowadays, the track is basically the same from practice to the final. Maybe it starts up super high grip, then it gets a bit looser. But it's like consistency is really good, you know, and they stay smooth. And it's just different now. And I don't like this style. Like how the Red of One track is. That super smooth surface, high grip, and, uh, you know, I would say big but easy jumps and everyone does the same thing. I'm not a big fan of this kind of 
these kind of tracks. You know, I would two things that I want. One, tracks that get rough. Two, difficult technical sections that everyone can't do the same. That's how we need to evolve. Slow the speed. You down, would have liked the RC program track then. You would have liked the RC program track. It was rough. It was lermy. Like Where? it was so lermy that you could the lerm was creating berms. Yeah. You know, and that's one really reason. Rough. One reason I really enjoyed all the time I spent in uh, California. You know, like Thunder Alley on a good practice day when they water the track and it gets bumpy and rough and you're battling Drake out there. That's so much fun. So much fun. So Stephen Stephen Bess had a rebuttal to Jeff, and he says, IFMAR has a system for rotating worlds amongst the IFMAR blocks. The U.S. is just one of the blocks, and odds are the worlds will be held at a non-U.S. location given there's only one U.S. block, and everyone else is not in the U.S. Euro drivers have won plenty on U.S.-style tracks, so I don't think it has much to do with the track style and it said more to do with the general driving talent and odds. Discuss that on the podcast. Would you agree with Mr. Bess? Who should know? He's been around RC for a long time. Yeah, I I think that um, the top drivers are usually at the top at any track, any venue. But, the, but currently the European drivers have a bit of an advantage of uh, Americans because they race on all the different kinds of tracks and okay. the American only race on the American tracks. Okay. Uh, gotcha. So what I mean is in Europe, we have the old school European style tracks mm-hmm. and then this new school with a lot of jumps and glued surfaces and all of that. So we have both of that. So we have high grip, low grip, bumpy, high speed, technical with jumps. We have all of those. And then the Europeans also go to America to race. But then the Americans, they just race on their, you know, own American tracks. And that's it. So they don't spend that much time in the conditions that, we had at the world, got for you, example. Got you, got you, got you. So that's got really you. the difference. And I hope that, like you, I hope that uh, Americans would start doing some races also in Europe. So it wouldn't just be the Europeans going over to America to race. Okay. All right. Up next, Amalekar asks, will David run, we talked about this, but he asks, will David Ronafalk start racing more often with the best one eight scale drivers in Europe, or will he wait for the next Euros or Worlds to see how his speed is in comparison to Ongaro and Kanas. Well, we already we talk- sort of covered yeah. that. I said that Gary that's Wright, the solution. Yeah, Gary Wright wants to know, do you think RC racing could be better if we allowed bigger tanks at major events? Bigger a few no. tanks. Okay. Why? Then, no. that, then that window would just change somewhere else. And by the way, that reminded yeah. me. I saw that the next Worlds, the qualifying will be seven minutes. Ooh not 10, which okay. I don't understand why, but seven is maybe the worst, maybe the worst length you could choose because let's say the lap time is 45 seconds. So you go out, you, you do 45 seconds. Then let's say that you cross the line just before seven minutes and you do another 45 seconds. So you have to be able to do 830 
preferably like nine to be safe, to be able to do that qualifier safely, right? Not everyone's going to be able to do that. So then it's going to be so close to that. So you now now you're putting the drivers in a situation where everyone has to make sure they have enough runtime or they lose a lot. When in previous years with 10 minutes, it's like a handful or less drivers who have just gone 10 minutes. Like Drake has worked really hard to be able to go 10 minutes and he can do it. Okay, well, that's a benefit. And for him, like an advantage, that's fine. But most drivers can't do it, so they don't even worry about it. They just do a pit stop. So I think that's a bad thing. Either do six or 10. But when you do seven, we could end up in a situation where a lot of drivers are right there on the bubble and frustrated and struggling to make it so they don't have to do the pit stop. Okay. Uh, LW4, Larry Wright the fourth. He wants to know does in doubt throttle out work? Yes, if you have the right setup. So if you have low roll centers, so the links high on the tower or uh, lower arms low on the inside, so low roll centers, when you get on power, that car wants to uh, level out. It's almost like it feels sucked down to the track. So then in doubt, basically, are about to crash, you get on power, and it saves the crash. Okay. But if your roll centers are high, it will flip over. So, yeah. Okay. Jamie Docking, how do you know when to change piston hole size and number versus putting thicker or thinner oil in the shocks? Well, how do you know when to? <laughs> Through experience, I guess. When you go to fewer holes, bigger holes, you can make your damping feel thick, but you don't have too much pack. So that means that you can make the car very calm and stable out there on the track. If you have more holes, the holes will be smaller then. You have more smaller holes. Then if you have that same thick damping feel, you'll have way too much pack and the car won't work on the track. So you have the damping feel will be thinner, softer. Your car will be more reactive, responsive, better maybe in small bumps. Uh, but it won't feel as calm, stable, and steady as fewer bigger holes. So more smaller holes, more responsive car, fewer bigger holes, more calm and stable car. And then they work slightly differently in bumps also. So you just have to figure that out for the type of bumps and the specific track you're on and the car you run. But that's the, that's sort of the general difference. Okay. John Wolf wants to know, has Canas raised the bar higher or has everybody dropped back a little bit? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about raise the bar higher. I think it's just at this level that we are at, it takes so much to be the top dog. Mm -hmm. So when someone fades a bit, someone else is right there or, you know, like he's at his peak, you know, right now. Maybe Ongaro was at his peak uh, last year or two years ago, whatever, right? So no one, no one can always be at their peak. It's mm. very hard to do. You know, you have to sort of mentally be 
present and you have to put in the time and your equipment has to be just on point and everything, right? So when you, you have one of the top guys have everything go their way, then they are the one to beat. And then maybe someone breaks up with their girlfriend or they get a girlfriend or they move or something like something in their life happens. Even that can throw them off a bit, you know? So, mm-hmm. so much goes into it. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say he has raised the bar. It's just everything is coming together for him right now mm-hmm. in this moment. Understandable. Understandable. Yeah. Steve Marcel, what are some drills or routines to get better? I know putting in lap times, but how do you address spots on a track that you struggle with? For example, how do you carry corner speed or keep your acceleration up in short sections? I'm literally at about snail speed through short sections and creeping through turns. You know what? I think this is a great chance to do this. Stop scrolling. You want to be Lewis Hamilton? Learn something new with invisible speed. You can't do everything at 100% maximum speed. You have to be smooth. I mean, when you drive a real car, if you drive a real car, how do you, do you just when you get to a 90 degree corner to t- turn into the parking lot, do you go like that with the steering wheel? Do you like slam on the throttle and the brake? No. You probably turn the wheel smooth and get on the throttle smooth. Same thing with an RC car. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, Stop scrolling. That was that was good in it. And then I heard your yeah. silly mic making all that damn static noise that you it took so long for you to admit that that mic was bad. Uh so yeah, give this guy some advice besides signing up for the invisible speed online course and getting I mean, a free order of the pre of the book. That's be- definitely the best way to get the online course. That's the best way. We but he was asking about some routines. videos about that. But the best way to improve your driving, increase your speed, is to slow down first. And sounds like he is. He has slowed down because he said he's creeping around. But what you need to do is you need to drive around those sections that you're struggling with on the correct racing line and then begin to increase your speed and see what happens. Find the limit of your skills and maybe the performance of the car. When you can identify something like, okay, when I go this speed, this happens. I lose the rear end, for example, in this corner. Then you can start. One thing you can do is make adjustments to your driving. What if through this corner I maintain a low amount of throttle through it? Or I get on the throttle a bit later? Or I turn the wheel less? Or, you know, so you adjust your driving consciously to see how that affects the car. So you learn about driving that section better. The other thing you can do is to make an adjustment on the car, drive the same, same as when you had a problem. Let's say you lost the rear end, adjust the car, you do the same. Does it still lose the rear end? So then because you have identified the limit, you can now tell this change on the car improved the car or this change it, now, instead of losing the rear end there, uh, it goes well off power through the corner, but when I get on power, now I lose the rear end or something. like. You, you can only start learning about driving and about car setup when you can drive consistently and you have a connection to the car. So, so that's really key to improving. Okay. You can also, in a particular section, you just 
can watch other drivers who are faster than you and see how they navigate that part of the track and pay attention to the line they take and where they break, where they coast, where they get on power, and then try that. Okay. So there's a few. All right. Good stuff. And don't forget, click that link, Invisible Speed, in the in the written description of this podcast. Peter Von Thunder, for the above average racer, is it best to chase lap times using the fastest tire, pros, or using an easier tire to drive that delivers more consistent lap times even they, even if they are slower? I think easier tire. Easier tire for all except like the elite drivers. It's going to be better. Because two things will happen. One thing is you'll be more consistent and make less mistakes. And then because of that, you will actually end up being a lot faster and better because you can, similar to what I just explained, you can sort of improve bit by bit because the tire is so much easier and more forgiving. So, Okay. Next question is, uh, hold on, I just had it. Um, more questions about Mayako and their run of We went up, up through all of that. Chris Powell RC wants to know why isn't there a nitro truggy if my worlds? I mean, the European guys run truggy when they are in America, so it's not like they have never run these things. Why way better than eight scale electric buggy if my worlds, in my opinion? And then Chris Todd goes, Seriously, though, and why isn't there an electric worlds or on truggy and buggy? So uh, just want to reiterate, there is an electric world coming up to 25. This is what the World Cup is about coming up in Braga in two weeks' time. They are actually having e-truggy there. But I would say, even in America, nitro truggy is starting to decline. E-truggy Good. is huge. Huge. Oh, e-truggy is huge. Hurry up and get a Mayako e-truggy. Um, I, I think it's just not enough, right? Um. I actually think we'll see an e-truggy worlds before we see an e-buggy worlds, uh, a nitro-truggy worlds, to be honest, because e-truggy is growing worldwide. And um, unfortunately, the only countries that I know that probably run truggy in America, uh, outside of America uh, in South America, I know in Australia they run them. Um, Spain runs a little bit of them. UK has a uh, truck nationals. Germany has a truck national. You know what, JQ? I'm thinking about it. More countries are starting to have more trucking nationals, so maybe this is a viable thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe the next push is for a nitro truggy world championships. Ah, truggy. I don't think they will ever have a world championship. I bet you they have one for e buggy, e truggy. I, I bet you. I don't think so. Okay. And actually, I think it shouldn't. Just like short course. I think like truggy and short course should be classes that you can race, but it, you shouldn't take them seriously. That's what truggy should be. Like the pros shouldn't race truggy. It should be a class that has the lower skill levels, but not a pro class. That's what truggy should be. Okay. Then right. it would make sense, I think. I would, but for his answer, my answer would be that truggy is maybe popular in America, but it's not popular as popular worldwide. Yeah. So that would be the main reason. Uh, Mike Driscoll wants to know why were there ferns on David's car? Basically it was a picture of David's car with uh, ferns on it. And Pierre answered, he says, Mike Driscoll tried a software based engineering tune that 
And he goes, no, the truth is I was just placing them there while I sat, while I was sitting on the chair besides the car. Uh, I yeah. sent you that picture. Uh, and then Aiden Burke of the Extra Lap Podcast, who should be on his way to the World Championships this year, this, this week. How much did his RCTV sponsorship cost? And did he sell enough Invisible Speed courses to cover the bill? It cost too much and I didn't sell enough courses. So, so maybe this podcast can help. That's right. And no, I, I, must... I, um, I have committed to also uh, sponsoring Buggyland so that they can go to Buggyland and have good coverage there. You should have said on a, on a stipulation that Lefty comes with you. That's what you should have done. Yeah, yeah. They need to get Lefty there. I should have said that. I should you know, I'll sponsor to... you as long as uh, you get Lefty there. Uh, you, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can still yeah. do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to get you over there too. I would love to I'm get a message. Salty Matt. Joe's coming. Yeah, I know. He Salty he Joe's thinks coming. I'm all like um, prepared and stuff. He was asking about hotels and he booked a hotel. I'm like, listen, I haven't done anything yet. Nothing. Uh, that's who said that to me the other day. Somebody's like traveling with JQ. I was like, what? Don't you? Uh, don't no, no. It's like Bauman also about uh, asking. That's about, what it was. Where are you staying in Italy? Like. Where did you book in Italy? I said I haven't booked anything. This is traveling with you. That's why when I when I, when I travel, I know that I'm leaving next week. That's it. Nothing else has been planned or prepared. I'm not surprised one bit. No, I'm not surprised one bit. No, not I don't surprised. like if... having plans and things prepared like that. It stresses me out. I'm the opposite to most people, I think. That stresses me out. Not having it done is better. And then now, like, oh, I have to leave? Okay, let's figure this you out. You know what, though? Then that is actually... Day, I'll fucking figure everything out, and it's all done. That has actually taught me how to travel a lot better. You know, when shit happens, yeah. like recently when I couldn't travel because of the thunderstorm, uh, because of uh, was a thunderstorm that came through, I had to make quick decisions. It taught me. All right, and our last question coming up, uh, from Instagram is I would like to ask JQ if he's happy with the new book and if it made all the additions he had in mind. Well, he hasn't written it yet. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's in I, his brain. Yeah, it's in my brain. I planned it and I have some things written, but it's not finished. But it's it's good because it um, I add the sort of obvious things that I realized were missing because it was such a heavy focus on um, the car setup but that they're not really enough about driving because driving is kind of key. <laughs> it doesn't help if you know about car setup and what to change if you don't know how to drive and also you don't know then how to improve and how to practice, how to connect with the car, how to approach setups and at races what to do and all that. So if you don't know those things, this, you miss out on a lot. Let's let's put it that way. So I think this is a much more complete book. Um, I heard on the Euros that you're going to have some chapters written by other people. Who can you let us know who those people might be? Yeah, there. Well, let's keep that as a surprise for now. Okay, but okay. there are some. Yeah, there there are some contributors okay. now right. for this also. Well. I would say thank you, everybody, for the questions. If we didn't get to your questions, it's because we already addressed that in the Euros recap. Uh, JQ, thank you for your time. Thank you to BTRC for their support. Remember, everybody, we have an affiliate link for them as well, as well as Sidewonder. And we're going to end this question with one of your 
your ads. I'm so happy to have these new ads. And Invisible Speed is right. our main main sponsor. So here we go. Stop scrolling, you nerd. Learn something new with Invisible Speed. Are you the driver of this car? Yes, sir. Why? You just uh, won a free alignment. I had my car touched by JQ, and now I don't feel safe. I can say that he did, did improve his time yep. 10 seconds and so his I, best lap. Last question. Would you recommend the Invisible Speed course? Yeah, for sure. Spend your money. Good spend. Want to learn more and make your speed visible? Stop scrolling! Stop scrolling! All right, JQ. Um, thank you for your time. Um, world's coming up. You gonna pay any attention to the ten scale world's coming up here at all? Yeah, yeah. I'll watch. Uh, yeah, it's hopefully, hopefully the track is one where they can actually race each other, maybe pass each other. Any picks? Like Any person you think that's going to win this? I haven't followed enough to be able to make sensible picks, but if I had to guess, then Fend and Rivkin would be okay. uh, top of that list. Who won the uh, Ongaro's going. You think he's going to make the main? Yeah, I think Ongaro should make the main. Yeah. Killix going, I see, as well. for your Really? Command. Yeah. Bora. Wow, that's going to be interesting to see. Killick can put it in the main in four wheels. You think Orlovsky... Can put that shoe mark in the main? Yeah, I think Olavsky will be fast. How about Cavs? 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 The Cavs? I think the other other guy, what's his name from Vegas? Carpet specialist. Oh, it's Champlin? Champlin, yeah. He's on Schumacher too, right? Mm. I think Champlin would be uh, will be ahead of it, Cavalier. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt that. Um, what about the spleenless wonder? He has to run modified now. There's he is no running stock modified. Growth. That's all yeah, he runs no is modified. He's only so, running uh, modified. Spleenless? Wasn't it an appendix thing? No, he lost his spleen. Really? Too much stock racing. That's what it does to you. Yeah. Lose your He's, spleen. He, sir, spleenless. Yeah. Sir, now stockless. Can he make yeah. the main? Oh, what did he do at the warm-up? I can't remember. I think it may That'd be amazing. Oh, you know who I think is going to be a very dark horse? Chase Lemieux. Paul Lemieux's brother. Uh, son. Very good at... Uh, what? Dude, dude, Paul Lemieux's son? How old dude, is he? has beat... He's like 14, 15, 16 maybe. Oh, yeah. Has beat Tessman straight up. Number one X-ray driver at the Nationals, at the warm-up. Taint. Beat him. Badass. <laughs> nice. You know Gord oh, isn't too happy about that. Uh so is that when are the worlds then? They start Saturday, I believe. Okay, and then go on until next. Next. Yes, time. I'll be so close, but yet so far, I really wanted to go to the worlds, but uh, for me, like I said, I leave Sunday for the H2 Hydrogen GP, and then I will fly from there on Thursday to Georgia for the Georgia Peat State Classic. Uh, when do you leave for the for the Euros? Forty plus Euros next week. Uh, yeah, next week, probably Wednesday. I actually have to find out when the damn race starts. I think. Are Friday. you flying or driving? Driving. So you go uh, Austria, Italy, Spain. Yeah. 
And then after that, that's oh. it. Then home, and then motocross of nations in France. Ooh, you're going on to France for that. Yes. Who are you going to with that? Well, hopefully, at least one of the my friends. Okay. Back here. And then you're supposed to. You still thinking of coming on her for Christmas? Yeah. So my plan right now is do this trip. Uh, then October finish the book. Uh, November finish the course videos. And we'll also have a week of lives there. Max is also coming on as a host for Invisible Speed. We already spoke about that. And then, so with the book and the course out of the way and Mayako work out of the way, then December sounds like a plan of flying over there. Chilling. We can record some uh, podcast, maybe end of the year special or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe Not set up the COVID. Studio. Not yeah, set up the studio a bit. Time. Put up some yeah. multi cams here would be great. Cool. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm busy. I've got a busy next few months. I got a lot of races to go to, and next year is looking like it's gonna be even more busy. So um I will see everybody at the Georgia Peach State Classic, and then I'm going to Florida RC Championships in October, and I'm going to looks like I'm going to Masters, and I'm gonna be doing AMS. Florida, uh, Florida Carpet Championships, Florida RC Championships, Fallbro, which is going to be on the roof now, this recent track that I was just at. And there's a possibility that I might be at the 12 scale world. So busy, busy schedule ahead of me. But I don't mind. I enjoy it. I like it. And um, thank you, everybody, for the support. Uh, JQ, have fun at the 40 plus euros. Uh, I'll have fun in Vegas and all that good stuff. <clears throat> thank you for your time. Congratulations once again to to Canas and S-Works on their performance. Uh, we would like to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We cannot do this without you guys. Uh, Patreon members and YouTube members, JQ, hurry up and get my Patreon sorted out. Posting will be a little bit limited on Patreon until we figure that out because okay, I got a verification code from JQ and we need to contact Patreon, but it's still up and going. I'll just send posts to him to get it done. Um, because you made the Patreon page at first because I wasn't able to make it. That's why. And your email's still on it and mine isn't. So <clears throat> uh, thank you to all the patrons. You will get early release of this podcast. JQ will put it up for you guys. I appreciate that. If you wish to become a patron or YouTube member, you can. Links for that are in the written description of this podcast. Also, thank you to all the sponsors of this podcast. We are coming up on the last quarter of the year. If you're a company interested in sponsoring the NNRC going into 2024, please hit me up. We are always looking to get like-minded companies on board, but we want to say thank you to these companies. They are invisible speed. Don't forget, we have the special going on right now. High Tech RC. Thank you to High Tech for all the assistance at the, at the H2GP. They're also a sponsor. Sun Padal USA. Happy birthday to you, Hefty. Sidewinder Fuel. Shout out to Little Bump. Doing great things. Hot Race Tires. Thank you to Nicola for all the support. Of course, Mayako. Thank you to all the Mayako drivers. Beach RC. We have an affiliate link for them as well. Techno RC. Thank you for the, all the continued support. Clinic RC. Ignite Design RC. I'm enjoying building my my gas truck conversion, Stacked RC, Donovan RC, don't forget that 10% uh, discount code, Nitro is the glory, Racecraft USA, Florida RC Championship, my boy Danny at WRCE, shout out to my, my good buddy at uh, SJ Racing Jean Shark Jr. If you do want to get uh, a kit or some work done to your cars, hit him up. 
House of RC, RCGP, Shadow Squad Drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Batty, Alexander Hagberg, and good luck to our, our good friend, the Splinless Wonder, Maddie G, at the Worlds this year. JQ, anything you want to say before I close this out? I'm very happy that uh, uh, Born a Crime is running modified. There you go. That's his way of saying good luck to you, Born a Crime. Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. Hard work beats talent, but talent doesn't work hard unless you name JQ. Uh, you know, Lefty and JQ, we're out. We'll see you. I don't know when you'll be back on. Probably December will be the next time you're on a podcast. Maybe we'll get you yeah, on for a buggy. Good. Maybe buggy layer we got. I don't think Yeah, maybe. Is. Or maybe I get the buggy layer. Let's work on that. Let's work on that. Yeah. With that said, we are out. Thank you all for the support. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and we will talk to you later.